And a good morning and a happy Monday to you folks. For those of you Slavic language folks who are European that consider Monday to be the start of your calendar, well, happy first day of the week. And for those of you who consider Sunday to be the first day of the week, welcome to the second day of your week. Either way, welcome to Monday. It is a gorgeous day outside as we start to thaw out here across Shale Play, USA. Keep in mind, folks, there are still thousands of people without power. Thousands of people without water. Today is a great day to be grateful for those basic necessities, those little things that we take for granted every single day because, folks, we're no longer living in mud homes. We're no longer living in houses made of sod. We have got a quality of life that has never been seen before on this planet. Today is a fabulous day, a fantastic day, a fantabulous day to be grateful for everything that you have in your life. Now let's see if we can't get this Monday morning started and emanate all this infectious energy of gratitude that we have coming out of the Work Hard, Play Hard morning show. Folks, let's get your Monday going. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. Folks, we are here. We have power. We have water. It is a Monday morning here in the Crude Life Morning Show, the Industrial Forest Studios, the Sustainable Forest Studios of the Industrial Forest. We have good in here, right here. In fact, you know, we had power outages. Yeah, up here in Moorhead, Minnesota, as well as Western North Dakota, where the Bakken is. Of course, Moorhead, Minnesota is with Fargo, Moorhead, their community, Fargo, Moorhead, West Fargo, Horace, Dilworth. All sort of all rolled into one, really. Just every city has it. You know, you go Dallas, Fort Worth, Frisco, you start, you know, naming some of those. Minneapolis, Minnetonka, Eden Prairie, you name it, goes further and further, further. Odessa, Texas. I forget what it's I cross back and forth over the border so many times, I forget which state I'm actually in right now. This is Minnesota, right? Yeah, and even like, you know, towns like, uh, I I love Greeley, Colorado. Greeley. Okay, Greeley. Okay, Okay, Greeley's 100,000 maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple hundred thousand metro type thing. You know, maybe. And there's a little town called Adams. Just about 10 miles outside of Greeley. We call that a suburb of Greeley. Mm-hmm. The bedroom community <laughs> the of bedroom. Greeley. Yes. Yeah. Well, we get that here, Holly, and places <laughs> That's like that. I, mean. yeah, yeah. I like to call those rural towns, those yeah. one-horse towns, the suburb. Man, those the, are the places to go right now if you've got... Are. You got eighty to one hundred thousand dollars. You can get a lot more house out there. Every now and then, you'll see these stories of a resurgence mm-hmm. of these, and that's always been a dream of mine. Actually, is to go in and just revitalize one of those small one-horse towns. Yeah. Like just start from building one and just focus on one building at a time. Just bring be them back. Extreme linear thinking here. <laughs> like you know, we don't want to get too much too far. Well, such cool buildings. That's the thing. You know, you go through some of these small towns. They have these really cool brick. You know, uh, two-story buildings, the general store with the plaque that says yeah. it's been there since 1897. You well, know, and my and I've always wanted just, okay, let the owner do what they want. Yeah. Okay? If they want to play, have a place that just sells pancakes, okay. Sure. Just sell pancakes. 
and and you, you go on a business, I'm sure. But either way, go do but, it. But hey, man, you you bur- you know you do it for a while. Take your shot, right? Friend of mine uh, works at or he worked at the uh, art museum in town, mm-hmm. and he was the marketing guy for a long time. He was a skateboarder, thrasher. Ha. Okay, it's <laughs> an interesting combination. Yeah. So because I used to skateboard as a kid for like two years. Yeah, shredded. Like fourth, fifth grade. Oh yeah. Maybe a little bit into sixth. Mm-hmm. Beat Street 2, Electric Boogaloo, oh, you know, dude. that type of stuff. Don Caballero and do Poppin' Ollies. Oh, uh, uh, that's how that's how him and I actually became friends because he had a Tony Hawk sticker. Woo! On, we, we were at some, you know, very high affluent event mm-hmm. because it was the art gallery and they had to invite a lot of rich people. Right. Okay? So here... We're all in almost tuxedos. He's got a Tony Hawk sticker on <laughs> on his like on his folder, and I point at him and I go, "Hey, Powell Palerta. Nice. That, it's some right. random you know <laughs> cult name that I think I just mispronounced. But he looked at me, and he's always the connection liked, was there. He's always liked me ever yeah. since. Well, then it turns out <laughs> weird. Uh, I, I I was I sat on the um, a board for probably five. Four years. That sounds uncomfortable. Of, uh, yeah, I know. It was a lot yeah. of nails on oh, that yeah. board. Uh, a, lot, a lot of paint sticks. A lot of paint sticks. Vertical. <laughs> Not horizontal, but vertical. Clean you out inside. be careful where you sit. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so him and I got along really well and this and that. So I started learning a little bit more about him. But his dad is the mayor of a small town in North Dakota. And he's been the mayor of a small town in North Dakota for a long time. And he's been slowly over the course of 20 years buying this town up $5,000 a lot at a time. Just turning it into his own kingdom, huh? No, he's been turning around and selling it or giving it to, or Mm -hmm. he's a total hippie. Yeah. To his artist compadres, and they're doing like a Bohemian Grove type community in middle of nowhere, North Dakota. So the opposite of Leith, North Dakota, where the Nazis came in. Yeah, and tried to turn and, it into a white nationalist. Guy, one of the best <laughs> photos you ever have coming out of North Dakota. A guy wearing a swastika shirt with a big old ZZ Top beard, Duck Dynasty, two AK-47s walking down Main Street in Leith, North Dakota, man. Yeah, yeah we can all be proud. Very best of good times there. <laughs> you know what's kind of cool, though, is nowadays you could revitalize a small town, right? You can live off the net. On the way back from my trip from Weld County, you know, I ran into that federal Yeah, checkpoint. that checkpoint. Tell me about that. I got redirected. And uh, by the way, was folks, it at a reservation? Welcome to the Crude Life Morning <laughs> Show. Play hard, work hard. Normally, I just like to try to do a thirty-second teaser before we get into the show. Uh, this is the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. Jason this is Beast the teaser. Is my name. That is Sterling. We just—it's such a busy show here. We got uh, uh, Doug Burgum, North Dakota Governor, coming up in the newsmaker section on our Swan Energy phone lines, as well as Vicky Leach will be joining us a little bit later in the program here. And uh, Manic Sterling, Monday, Manic Manic. Busy Monday. day, Vicky Leach down in Texas. She was uh, put a call out on social media looking for a generator over the weekend. Had to follow that news story. We've been working all week. Weekend, man, all weekend long. But I want to get back to my other story. Okay. So on the way back, it was the federal checkpoint where we got to. Right. So at the federal checkpoint, see, it's easier when we can just go and, and rewind. Where's that Michael Winslow from Police Academy to make the to make the noise for us here? We, do we even have that much budget? I had no idea that was his name. That's that was good good one for you pulling that out. Oh, yeah, well, I, I am an award-winning uh, news On journalist. a Monday, though. Yeah, so go ahead. That is true. Uh, but I have had four cups of coffee before you got here. Uh, so this federal checkpoint, it was on the Cheyenne. I believe it was the Cheyenne. 
um, Indian Reservation, Reservation. Okay. on my way back. And there's a pandemic there, a national emergency. They're having a high cases of COVID. And so I got turned around, and they, I had to go back. And it, it, it was another hour and a half of drive time for me, okay? But there was, you know, six to eight uh, Native American mm-hmm. uh, officers dressed in uh, uh, garb. Uniform. Uniform. Garb. <laughs> Looked like they had guns. <laughs> Garb is that a garb? Is, it that, is, is, is that a derogatory term? No, I, it's clothing. It's just I haven't heard that since like Dungeons and Dragons days. Your garb, sire. Well, because it wasn't <laughs> traditional police. Attire. Well, probably tribal police. Or, it was, but yeah. it looked like, looked like garb. Okay, it did. It just because okay. it was brown still. Okay, you know, and um, that's weird because I used to play Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> for like a couple of years back in my Ute. Your days. Back yeah, your it was a way to hang out with the older kids. You yeah. know, I get invited in. Uh, that's I was, how you met the ladies. They make me be the dwarf or the elf. <laughs> Meet the ladies. <laughs> what, what, the moms? Yeah. The hot moms yeah. that would come down and give us and the some snacks. Sort of snacks. The snacks. Exactly. Snack, the numbers, oh, man. You boys, so nice you're not out drinking. Hey, Mrs. Boyd. She was, uh, I'm she a fifth was grade. I know, but my <laughs> high school boys. Okay. So, so I, I had heard I that they around. Yeah. So did they detour you, or is it just you showed up and then all of a sudden oh, you couldn't go? Oh, this was a flat out roadblock. But I mean, was there a warning, or is it just oh, boom, no. you're there? No, it's just you're there and it's stopped. No, I was. And, okay, first of all, Surrey was my directions. Mm -hmm. That's scary. And I I wasn't taking a normal route, Mm -hmm. but it was, quote, unquote, about 45 minutes faster than what my normal route was that I'm used to taking on Highway 85. Mm -hmm. You got to be careful with those map programs, though, man. They'll be like, oh, it's quicker if you go through the lake. I want to do a segment on roads that have been impacted by Surrey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Where governments like all of a sudden are like, okay, why do we have to redo this road all of a sudden? Oh, Surrey's taking everybody on this road. Right. Or when I first got on, uh, what, what was the early one? OnStar. Mm-hmm. OnStar took me out in the middle of nowhere on Jayhawk Drive right. in the middle of Pahrump, Nevada. <laughs> well, yeah, because there's no traffic out there. It was a, it was a cigar cactuses out there. <laughs> right. A Joshua but, Tree. But one and- day. It was going to be done. Right. And yeah. so OnStar carried the one and said, one day's here for oh, us. Dude, I run into that around here with the lakes where it'll go, oh, yeah, just keep going this way. But it doesn't recognize that the road stops There's and then lake. picks up on the right. other side of There's the lake. There's a lake there. Yeah. When's the last time you heard the word OnStar? We got millennials going, what the F is an OnStar? OnStar. What is that, yeah. the asteroid uh, coming yeah. to Earth I've been seeing? The OnStar. So, anyway, the tribal police, um, it was like half tribal, and then I could tell it was just half non-tribal some had guns some didn't but what they did is they were boy they were scouting my vehicle scouting my vehicle yeah you look shady and but you had three people looking in your vehicle you had roadblocks so you couldn't go through Mm -hmm. you had to turn around what were they looking for did they tell you oh i don't know i suppose they were just checking you know like cops do police do they're just looking for anything you know that would so I was wondering if it was like a COVID checkpoint because I've heard some reservations have clo- you know I've closed down for that. Told them I was coming from South Dakota. I didn't tell them I was coming from Colorado. I can tell you that they oh, would have searched yeah. my vehicle in right. a second. Yeah, taking the tires Absolutely. off. Absolutely. Yeah. What's under this carburetor mm-hmm. here? So, <laughs> <laughs> especially with your Frackleberry hound with shake you. special you saw down the street. <laughs> Still don't know what that is. Yeah, we'll have Any, to look that up. Anywho, but uh, hour and a half out of the way. Okay. On the way back, it took me by Leith, North Dakota. 
Oh, that's where we're going. See, folks, we this are eventually getting back home here. We're going there. Long we story short, we took a short. little bit of a sidebar for yeah. four and a half minutes. News counting. Five minutes is when I looked. Actually, and we're, we're getting close to the time. So we're in Leaf, Leaf, North Dakota. Leaf, Leaf, Leaf. It's leaf. not Leaf with a T H. Leaf. Okay, Leaf. It's a cool name. I wonder what it means. I believe it's a, a Scandinavian name, almost certainly. And it's North Dakota. No, a lot of German. Yeah. And that part, actually, a lot of Ukraine out in that part. A lot of Russian Ukraine out in uh, western North Dakota. the Ruskies out there. Borscht right? is Borscht. very popular. Oh, yeah. Uh, what else is uh, the uh, pierogies? So did you stop and leave? Did you, no, get, did no. you go to, like, the cafe? I see thought there? about it. I thought about it. I wanted to take a picture in front of Flasher, North Dakota, too, just Flasher. because of the name. <laughs> uh, Hermosa, South Dakota. I wanted to take a picture in front of that sign because... It's kind of, you know, Hermosa means beautiful. So apparently, as of the 2010 census, the population was 16 in Lathe. So you might have seen everybody in town if you'd blinked. Before that one dude with the Nazis and the AK-47, <laughs> it was 47,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, anyway, I, I do want to do a story. On and I think it'd probably be a better print story, so it's we'd have to do it in print first. But I want to know because when I was in uh, Fort Collins, for example, mm. Fort Collins is very di- it's like triangular with the civil engineering. They did they worked with triangles. Okay, maybe it's the wind. Houston does circles, right? Okay, yeah. most most places try to do circles yeah. or squares. Squares, okay, yeah. squares and circles, right? Sure. Fort Collins, no. We'll no. just go to triangles. We're gonna do triangles. Hey, man. Is that a hexagram? Cool, Sweet. man. Put it in there. And so all of a sudden you'd be taking these weird roads and lots of glass. And in one side it's like four trailer park tra- trailer mm. trailers. And on the other side, it looks like some sort of bottle repository that is just out in the middle of nowhere. So obviously, civilization wasn't meant to go down that little half street is yeah. what I'm getting at. Yeah. So I'm going, I wonder how many of these other Surrey-driven roads are out there. Oh, man. You know, I bet you there's like a, you could take the Surrey tour now, well, right? totally. Like the Route 66 tour back in the day. Oh, that's a great idea. The Surrey tour. Well, and I'm, you know, like, to me, that would be... The government would have a very okay time, one pass to say, we didn't see that coming. Sure. Okay, I'll agree with that. We didn't see that coming. because. But now going forward, are you working with Google? Are you working with Surrey to tell them, stop sending people down that road? <laughs> well, you remember when Street View was a thing, like a really yeah. big oh, thing. Yeah. That that changed some stuff. That that I remember reading that that uh, caused some uh, stops to get more stop signs and other things like that. Oh, we just got a text in from Vicki Leach, who has power, but no water. She's down to water rationing. Every couple hours, she can have some water. she get that generator, though? She got the generator. Okay, that's good. And she's in contacts with... Texas State Representative Brooks Landgraf, and he might be on the program as well now. Does he have power? Well, he's out of Midland. He wrote a very scathing letter. Scathing is a word that I opined, editorialized wow. for those of you out there with a thesaurus a on a Monday morning. I told of, you. There's a lot four, of vowels and consonants. I had four cups out of, of that. coffee this Woo! morning. I, to me, this is flood season. That, <laughs> this, is, this is how I won my awards in, right, the, in, right. the, in the radio world. Well, you know, I mean, because what's coming out, what's going on in Texas resonates across, like, all the different topics that you like to touch on. Well, and it's actually impacting us up yeah. here in the upper Midwest. You saw that grid. 
I had no idea all this stuff was that the interconnectivity connected. is really that's and, a teachable moment and, and, for and us. And the spotty connectivity. Yeah. Well, the it's fact like that you had goes you've got, underneath and then up up and under. The roots are deep. You yeah. had you had portions of Moorhead that were rolling out fungi at the same time that portions of Missouri were and portions of Texas right. were, right? So yeah. By the way, just got this in from Governor Greg Abbott's office. This is about a meeting they had with Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Not the same Dan Patrick of Sports Center fame. Okay, I was going to ask. Dan Patrick of Lieutenant Governor, gubernatorial. Okay. And not Dana Patrick, of, of gubernatorial the gubernatorial nas- fame. Okay. Anytime you can pull out gubernatorial, gubernatorial. on a Monday morning. So, I'd be afraid to say it. Uh, speaker Dade. Feline. I'm not even familiar with either one of those names. Cool I name, apologize, though. though. Dade. Uh, like so that. he's he's. Keep in mind, I'm kind of getting new to the whole Texas Reading. office. Well, I'm familiar with the Texas Railroad Commission. Yeah. We we've had Wayne Christian on the program, Christy Craddock. We've also had uh, I, f- I forget the one who was on there before, uh, Pavarotti and that's N- right. Yes, yeah, so the many names, one. man. It's the other one. It's the other one. <laughs> so anyway, Speaker Dade. I've never heard that. First name, D-A-D-E. Dade. Dade. I like it. I like it, too. Last name. Like Miami Dade? Phelan. P-H-E-L-A-N. Wow. Okay, Phelan, yeah. I need to get Dade Phelan, male or female, I don't know, on the program. Just to find out if we're doing the name right. Just to apologize profusely (laughs) for not knowing all this because this is real time in the moment here. And because this is live. I'm sure you've dealt with that with Spice. Come on. FEMA. Yeah. FEMA. FEMA. Mr. Spiss. Mr. Spess. Spiss. The worst, <laughs> most insulting you can possibly have. I've heard spies. I've heard species. Yeah, I heard uh, that's what I thought first I've time I saw it. I've heard species of shit. Oh, nice. That's my favorite. That's your that's that uh, that's that's yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that that coach. had to have been from a sports. <laughs> Who's a junior high coach? <laughs> You got piece of shit out there in the outfield catching fly balls. Why can't you guys? I'll never forget that. I swear to God, he sat up man. late at night just waiting yeah, for the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, just, you, well, yeah, you can't just pull that at any time, man. That's beautiful. All right, so coming from Governor Greg Abbott's office, we have this email that came to us. What do they say? Governor Greg Abbott, we have a responsibility to protect Texans from spikes in their energy bills that are a result of the severe winter weather and power outages, said Governor Abbott. Texas, the meeting today, this was on Friday, okay, was productive, and I applaud Republican and Democrat members of the legislature for putting aside partisan politics to work together on this challenge. We are moving quickly to alleviate this problem, and we'll continue to collaboratively throughout the week on solutions. Okay. Um, Anyway, so basically the reason I brought this up is that we have been in contact with Governor Greg Abbott's office, and they're very busy, of course, tending to the local um, media. Yeah, this is a statewide I'm I I just wanted people to know out there, they're actually in contact with us, and they don't have to be. We're we're a niche publication, essentially, a niche uh, platform, but they also understand the importance of the oil and gas industry. They they understand the importance of the crude life, so we appreciate that. You know, Christy Craddock is out there uh, retweeting and, and, and emailing our stuff and social media and our stuff out there. So uh, we appreciate that very much. And we'll continue 
to give information from the uh, gubernatorial office as we see fit as it comes in because uh, we got th four other ones that I have to I have to filter through here looking at it but point is is that there's a lot to unpack here and and we're going to get to it throughout the whole week because uh, first of all being from out of state we've dealt with a lot of this these issues yeah so we can approach it a little more sterilely okay so we're not involved with politics still much so i don't even know if dade feeling is a man or a woman <laughs> i've got to look this up I, I don't even i don't even know if i've, I've pronounced her name correctly and i and i I'm extremely apologetic about it. I apologize. It's, it is clearly if my bothering. My apologetic you. nature doesn't seem to be as sincere as it is. It's just that when I'm in the moment, I'm in the moment here. So when I look at what we have coming our way is number one, I mentioned last week about that conspiracy about just having a national grid. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And you see how that's the conversation now, right? Well, yeah, and I mean, I, I conspiracy think, or not, no, you it's see been how educational. That is, now that is now the national. When we talk about a grid, federal oversight is now part of the conversation. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and that's the thing is that I think for most of us, it's the realization that there there's sections of it that aren't. There's Texas as its own grid and portions of Texas that are part of the other grids. But, but this is where the problem comes for the average person. It is a man, very good looking man with, with Republican hair. <laughs> is he a Republican? He is. Matthew McDade Phelan is an American real estate developer and politician who is a Republican member of the Texas House of Representatives for District 21, which is half of Jefferson County and all of neighboring Orange County. Not to stereotype a person by the look of their photo, but that is 100% about that photo down to the red tie, was it? Oh, yeah. I only saw it for a second. It's a, it's a, was it's, it's a red shirt it's, or a red tie? It's, it's a red tie, okay. and it's the it's a Wikipedia official uh, speaker of the Texas House of Representatives photo, and my actually, hat is off to this gentleman because he has solid hair. I actually thought it was John Thune because of the hair. Right? They, they have just the perfect continental, or yeah. is it Western? I think, I think it's, it's continental. I think it's the continental. Yep, okay. you've got enough forehead there. I mean, yeah. This, <laughs> is, this is Jack Donaghy right here. La I know, it's Jack Donaghy. <laughs> yep. All the hairdressers are dying laughing because that's what I tell them. I'm like, you know, I'm going to a Republican event. I've, wore, I've worn it Western for a while. Can yeah. you do it continental? continental? Yeah. They just die laughing. Like, apparently that's a style. I didn't well, know that. Well, you're using their terms, yes, right? Yeah. That's, so, oh, Kate Hornbrook, let's see what she's got. President of OCI and with ACES Completions. Oh, she's just wondering if I'm asking about the power in her house. Because I said, you got electrical. Because they didn't at one time, and now she's being smart alecky yeah. and saying, "Are you mean electrical engineering?" You know, you know she's a chemist. So she's a chemist. Very yeah, linear very, thinker. Very, uh, yeah, very, uh, very smart making with the brain. Well, I, I love the uh, linear thinkers that have a sense of humor. It's usually dry wit. It's that's what I like. Dry wit. That's what I Absolutely like. Absolutely, it know? is. That's why I love it because it's almost it's, like British. It's almost understated, you know. So you know, interesting. Yeah, a lot ahead. of us have been learning uh, the last week, especially those of us looking in at Texas on the outside. We will complete a thought. Variable rate electricity plans. You, know, you mentioned that's where I was going to go next. Yeah, rent share. Okay, the rent controlled buildings in New York. You almost see that coming now in electricity, right? Yeah, to where. We need to have a cap on here because now you got, you know, the, the, the governor coming out and saying, listen, we're going to investigate this. Uh, I saw one of the news headlines that you have pulled yeah. was from the Associated Press. OK, yeah, yeah. and I know that headline because I got it emailed to me because the rep is actually from Minnesota. 
Yes. So yeah, the, that's, the, that's wants to look into it. Yeah. Which we'll have a little bit later in the program, yeah. folks, when we talk about news. But uh, there's a representative in Minnesota that's calling for a federal bill because of the Texas power outages affected Minnesota, North Dakota, Iowa, I think Wisconsin even got affected by the little Yeah, bit. and like natural gas units went from 3 or $4 a unit to $400 a unit over the last couple of days in some areas of the country because of that. Right, and so I, I get that's it. Nuts, because, man. Well, that's not supply and demand. When you inflate a market like you have been with, with renewables, mm-hmm. like you have been with COVID, like you have been with these stimuluses, the free market's gone. Yeah. It is. And, well, this and, this really lays that bare. Oh, totally. Yeah. So, you, folks, you got to be very careful moving forward here. I'm guessing generator sales are going to skyrocket. You mentioned before about how we talked about, you know, the three-day strike mm-hmm. uh, for the oil and gas industry. The problem with that is, is that, well, then they can just nationalize oil. Yeah. Same kind of extreme snarkiness. Yeah. Better be careful, folks, here, because they could just come out and say, we're just going to control all your energy now. Well, in some cases, you Senator could... Senator Kramer you, warned of it three weeks ago. You Sorry. Could, you could, no, I was just going to say, you could point at uh, you know, the three or four days where most people were not only without heat and electricity, but also without water. And you could... I mean, so there was your three-day strike right there. It was unintentional, but that's, that's what happens. Here's what you have working against you, okay? You've got... Ted Cruz going on vacation. No, <laughs> seriously. No, Cancun because Cruz, baby. I saw all of a sudden over the weekend, out of nowhere, yeah. out of nowhere, Ted Cruz receives more political money from oil and gas than anyone else. Does that surprise you, though, really? From I mean, 2008. Yeah. 18. 18. 18. Well, why is it a news story now? Yeah. We just got done with 2020. So that tells me, okay, the media's putting a narrative out there. Well, or they're really so slow. You, you've got Ted Cruz. Then you got what's his nuts, uh, <laughs> former former secretary uh, Perry, my buddy. Um, yeah, yeah. I've met him. Have I you? like him. Oh yeah. yeah, I like Rick Perry. He yeah. like him. That's why. That's why I said what's his nuts because yep. he makes me laugh. He's that type of guy too. Oh, he totally is. Yeah. He's a really good guy. Yeah. If you get to know him, that's why he got energy secretary because he's a really good guy. Now, is he? Anybody I'd want in charge of X, Y, Z, I have no idea. Yeah. All I know is I met him for half a day. Really nice He guy. was governor of Texas for what? Like totally. 10 absolutely. years, something like that? But he's coming out and saying, Texans, we don't need energy. We, we're, we're good by... So do you see what I mean? Yeah. It's like the way the media is framing this, it's almost like the countries versus them. I got people it's down crazy. in... I got people in Minneapolis on my Facebook account. Okay, that work for the government Mm -hmm. that are apparently experts on the Texas grid. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, the stuff they're posting about. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sarcasm. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, because they're they're posting things of authority that they know best because Mm -hmm. they live in Minnesota. and And I'm like. What in the heck is going on? You know, here? it's sad commentary when every time a state has a big problem, whether it's floods, fires in California, or COVID, or COVID is you get people outside with the snark, man. <laughs> I well, that's why I said you know the other and karma's Friday, a bitch. Last Friday, I joked or whatever that you know Bill Gates is an expert on pandemics, and now he's an expert on uh, the Texas grid. That like opened the door for everybody. Yeah, I mean, you take a look at the at the social media world out there. Everybody's an expert. I want to know why no one is asking what Elmo thinks. 
right? If we can ask Bill friggin' Gates what he thinks, I, you know, I don't know about you, but I think I'd take a lot more from somebody like Elmo or Kermit or, you know, come on. If you're going to have somebody on that has no real reason to be on topping about that topic, at least make it interesting. Go with a Muppet. Or Dora the Explorer. Backpack. Now see who wouldn't listen to Backpack. Come on. Is that where that came from? Backpack, yeah. I, I did, didn't know that. I got two daughters. I didn't know. <laughs> I've I, seen I, a lot I of Dora. I got a son, so I yeah. know about you, you. You skipped that, man. Yeah, yeah we, didn't, lucky. we didn't do Dora. We did other yeah, things. Thankfully, we, 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 we came in after Barney. Dude, I had a son. We were five nights at Freddy. And, oh, well, know, my daughters were two once they got older. Like but yeah, yeah, out of the gate, it was it was a lot of backpack. Phineas and Ferb. That was a great show. Great friggin' show. That, uh, that the evil, platypus. The evil guy. Yeah. Uh, Dubenschmerz. Dubenschmerz. Oh, I love that. And the platypus <laughs> is fantastic. Some of the Harry, best writing. Totally funny. And for a Disney, I can't believe I like it. Yeah. Can I, I mean, yeah, as, right? Much as I am just anti-Disney, <laughs> I love Phineas and Ferb. And that one SpongeBob, almost felt like it squeezed through by accident. SpongeBob. Yeah. I don't know. No, it's Nickelodeon. That's different. Yeah. I love SpongeBob, though. But uh, Okay, so... I just, it's looking like, well, let's it's going to be a busy got. manic Monday here. It is. It looks like we are going to get Brooks Landgraf and Vicki Leach coming up here in a bit. And uh, Kane Hornbrook, president of OCI and also Aces Completion, might be joining us. We got Governor Doug Burgum, uh, the governor of North Dakota, going to be on the latter part of the program. Folks, we are way over. I'm not even sure if we completed a sentence or a thought here in the first part because I'm on four cups of coffee, so I'm all jittery. <laughs> Sterling is, I don't it smells know. more like sake than coffee, but hey, you know. Sake coffee? <laughs> sake coffee. Is that like, like uh, bullet coffee? Is that what it's called? Where you put Bourbon? A nice, nice big stick of butter in your coffee and you Ooh, drink. That's a thing? It's a Homer Simpson deal. Moon waffles. <laughs> Moon waffles. Folks, we'll be back here. Play hard, work hard. On a Monday morning, we're feeling good. I feel all right. Well, I'm doing okay. I'm here for the moment, you know, and then I'm on my way. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. The Industrial Forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. 
Welcome back to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. Happy Monday. Mixing it up a little bit today. We're waiting a phone call from Vicki Leach and Brooks Landgraf out of Texas with an update. They're coordinating their schedules because they wanted to come on at the same time. We're coordinating our schedules here it's around Frackleberry Hounds, bowel movements. <laughs> I think she's, well, look at her. She's sleeping now. Finally. Man. It only took a while. And Jeez. so anyway, we're just going to do a little news on uh, today here because we have uh, several news stories. Yeah. I saw you had four today. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there's there's just so many different types of news coming out of what's going on in Texas. Yeah. But, I imagine. And it's and beyond Texas even, too. You know. Well, so. and that's what I was wondering, if anything was going on outside mm-hmm. of Texas. And I know there is. And so uh, let's a- see what we got Okay. Today. So AP is reporting that a senator is seeking probe of natural gas price spikes during the storm. A Democratic senator is calling for federal investigations into possible price gouging of natural gas in the Midwest and other regions following severe winter storms that plunged Texas and other states into a deep freeze that caused power outages in millions of homes and businesses. Minnesota Senator Tina Smith says natural gas spot prices spiked as high as 100 times typical levels, forcing utilities and other gas uh, natural gas users to incur exorbitant costs, many of which were passed to the customers. Tina Smith is a Democrat, I believe, mm-hmm. from Minnesota. In Winfield, Kansas, as an example, the city manager reported that a unit of natural gas that sold for about $3 earlier this month sold for more than $400 on Thursday. Wow. In Illinois... $3 per unit on natural gas, up to $225 is the price demand soared. So, you know, it, it seemed to have sort of started in Texas in terms of the spike, but then it, it sort of rippled up. I mean, you look at a weather map for this country, and basically all of it was cold for the last week. Well, in Minnesota, they had a special meeting. Mm-hmm. The public utilities had to call a special meeting because of what happened in Texas. Well, you know, it's interesting because Texas apparently is pretty much its own grid, right? But it is obviously affecting things outside. This looked like well, because it went, they pump so much energy out of there. Well, all the way up the Mississippi. I mean, all basically you had Missouri, you had parts of Illinois, you had parts of Minnesota that were affected by this, um, which is you know a little weird. And Fargo, and if anybody doesn't know, Moorhead and Fargo essentially exist as a single city. Nothing. No power outages, no rolling brownouts, blackouts, or anything. parts of Moorhead. Just, but that's what I mean. Is that you could have been standing in a in a gas station in Moorhead with no power, looking across the street at a Walmart with power in North Dakota. Isn't that weird? It is very weird. It's like we're in Florida. It'll rain on one side of the street, not on the other <laughs> side of the street. I think they pay extra in Florida for that. But you know, it's just one of those things where, like Corpus you said Christi last week, like teachable too. moments here. Education. Boy, we were the only one doing teachable moments last week. Holy smokes, man. The vitriol oh, coming man. out of the media. The finger pointing. Finger pointing. And now all of a sudden, this week they want to do teachable moments. Yeah. And and I mean, are you kidding me? Well you Come gotta on. you know, you gotta be able to get your, your licks in, right? No, so, you don't. No, 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 no. I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate here. Oh, is it, man. That seems to be the strategy is you, you call out the other side's hypocrisy, you pull okay. out their tweets, then you come in with the uh, we all gotta unite type of thing. Do you know how frustrating it is to be in the minority to be offended by that? To to have the media 
allow Bill Gates a platform to just start finger pointing. He's the one who started the whole thing, in my mind. Yeah, that one where he was talking about it being unreliable. and well, He went right after the Texas governor. Yeah, I don't care what the governor said, okay? It's his state. Mm-hmm. He's got the authority to say that. It's the instantaneous politicalization. Absolutely. The minute the media allowed Bill Gates to stick his grubby little fingers. I had to say it. You, and I saw the look on your face because you knew it was coming out. I, you know, I'm guessing you know, he washes his hands every day. The, the old man in me was coming <laughs> out, man. I, if I had a fork, I would shake that fork at you right now. He is doing a lot of power pointing right now with <laughs> his finger. Power, power wagging, wagging, we sorry, call it. Yeah. Power wagging. So, yeah. You're, but now you're starting to see people like Tina Smith government representatives who are outside of Texas saying, hey, this is obviously not sustainable. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) So Bill Gates opened the door for the average person to put something on Facebook and LinkedIn and Snapchat and Witch Snap and Bonefish, whatever the other social media. Is Parler around still or did they ban that? They're back. Apparently, Are they? I okay. haven't read much about it other than they were back. Well, didn't Amazon ban them for a while? No, they're on a different platform entirely. I uh, thought they were on Amazon's. Not anymore. No, I they were. Yeah, right? they were. But yeah. yeah, then they were banned. But then but they it, got banned yeah, by Amazon. I'm not sure who they hooked up with now, but they're back. Okay. Um, that, and that, by the way, folks, you might think that's a weird sidebar. It's not. That's an extremely important sidebar because Parler was based on free speech, and then they got taken down for hate speech. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's ironic. Isn't Although I, I read this morning that, that... Do you know how ironic that is? That's like, have you noticed... Is that like that an I, Alanis Morissette ironic? No the only The only just juxtaposition I can think oh, to that... That's a good one. Thank you. That was a great word. The only juxtaposition I can think to that... Gubernatorial. Gubernatorial and juxtaposition in the same show. Those are the words this for today, folks. This is an award winner, folks. Yeah, this is On great. a Monday. Yeah, you elitist. Go on. Just another manic. I don't have enough money to afford the rights. I think yeah. that's like eight grand. The yeah, rights and I think do. they're pretty litigious too. So. <laughs> Extremely. I, I know if I would have went six notes into that, I would have gotten a bill. Okay. okay so back up. All right. What was it talking about? Bill Gates. The minute Bill Gates was able to infuse it in there. Oh, I'm sorry. The juxtaposition. Juxtaposition. The juxtaposition of what I just said is, do you notice who the people who have been assassinated in the United States in the last hundred years? I haven't been paying attention to that. The people who promote peace. The people who promote peace and tranquility and unity. Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King. Those are the ones who get snuffed out. Yeah. We're almost, it's like that kind of a juxtaposition. It's almost that ironic of a world we're living in right now. Anyway, sorry. No, that was I, my point. Actually, I, I totally, I, I think I agree with you, man. I mean, that's, that's the problem too, is that, you know, we're stuck in a position where bad things are happening and instead of trying to address why they're happening and assigning the proper blame, it just immediately goes into finger pointing. It, bagging on Ted Cruz, right? Which has got to be one of the easiest things in the world to do, right? You got a news story of him, right? <laughs> I do. Okay, so yeah. by the way... Because um, everybody's got one. This is uh, this news story, by the way, from the Associated Press. Mm-hmm. Part news, part rumor, and 
part newspeak. You talking about the one we were just talking about? The one. Okay, so let's about do the Senate. Yeah, the, let's just recap this real quick. Okay, so this, Smith in her letter the, to the regulators. He, the headline is what again? Headliner is a headline is Senator seeks probe of natural gas price spikes during storm. And this is Associated Democratic. Press. Yes, this is from AP, and this is the Democratic Senator Tina Smith from Minnesota. Smith, in her letter to regulators, urged them to instigate conditions in the natural gas market over the last week to investigate, rather, including any price gouging by natural gas producers and suppliers. A public report should detail what occurred, make recommendations to prevent such problems in the future, and determine if any laws have been broken, she said. Right. So what I'm getting at is that right now the public conversation is going to be had about how much federal oversight should be involved in the state of Texas. Well, you know, this is one that, of those... That's what I'm getting no, at. I, totally. Yeah, and it's, that's... It's a state, state versus federal argument it's going to end up being. And as I understand it, the what is it, the ERGOT, the Electrical Reliability mm-hmm. Council of Texas, um, that that was a direct response to not being regulated by the feds. For their, that's why it was created. That's why Texas so, became sort of its own grid, as I understand it. So, yeah, now you've got it coming back to, I think that's where we're going to be looking. Is it, There has to be some sort of cutoff, That's right? why what's, this news story is news, rumors, and news speak. It's speculation. It's, it's everything wrapped into one because, there, no, there is some news yeah. in there. There no. is some legitimate news in the story, but also there's some rumors because no. they don't know what they're doing yet. Yeah. And then there's some news speak, which is, the repetition of whatever they want us to believe and think coming through. Well, there's so, kind of a call to action at the end. I yeah. mean, it, it's one of those articles. It's sort of everything in a bag of chips. It's got, it's got news, like you said. It's got speculation. I it gets it. your heart pumping. It, it to me, it was um, from my media training and my persuasive speaking background. And that's saucy th- this was um, this was definitely written as a way to get people to have more of a positive conversation Mm -hmm. about federal regulations versus state rights. Well, this is one of those extremes, right? Texas is on the defense, Mm -hmm. and they're not in the favorable as far as the state rights argument. Because Texas right now represents states' rights, okay? And right now, the state rights is not in a favorable light because... Just what happened. Just what happens. So, anytime anyway. there's anytime there is some sort of natural disaster or something, Katrina comes mm-hmm. to mind, hurricanes on the East Coast, where it overwhelms the local authorities, that's when we I mean, most of us I think would say, you know, that's a good that's a good use of the federal government. That's when they should come in, FEMA, right, help take care of things and fix stuff. And we saw during Katrina how that system just completely yeah. just collapsed. So I'm gonna say no one faith, thing. man. I'm gonna say one thing before we Go to the Ted Cruz story because I can't wait to talk about Ted Cruz. And this is not the one you're thinking, so go on. Okay. It's not? Okay. It is, but it isn't. Go on. Okay. I just love Ted Cruz stories. <laughs> so what I want to get to is, you know, when I did win my two awards in radio, it was because of the flood coverage, okay? And we had three floods in two years, I think, or two floods that in two years. That was back in 97, 98? No, back in 2009 and Oh, that's right. That's when I first moved to this area. Yeah, yeah in fact. Yep. And Bismarck and Minot, because of Clear Channel, and they didn't have any people actually employed at the radio station, we had to do the flood coverage from Fargo. You got kind of so drafted, didn't we, you? We said, no, we volunteered yeah. because the people were getting misinformation. So we stepped up, and we actually, we actually won an award for a flood that was not in our backyard. Right. That's how amazing the coverage was that we did, okay? So be that as it may, and I was the guy 
at the central station. I was yeah, the executive producer pretty much 24 seven yeah. for a week. Yeah. So, um, what we had to be careful about was obviously the speculation mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. So what I want to get at though, is Fargo, North Dakota. We had a mayor named Dennis Walliker. Mm-hmm. He's passed. Okay. Since, but he was the mayor at the time. And we were very close to losing our city. Grand Forks, North Dakota was lost. Okay. Grand Forks, North Dakota went underwater a blizzard happened, mm-hmm. and then one of the buildings went on fire. I remember that. One of the greatest one of the oldest photos yeah. you'll ever see in your life. You've got this 10-story building, brick building, covered in about 20 feet of water, mm-hmm. okay? And there's a blizzard while the building's on fire. Yeah. President Bill Clinton and his wife, Hillary Rodham Clinton, came to Grand Forks because... The nation just felt sorry for Grand Forks because it flooded, burned, and froze. Yeah, all really, the same it, it day. checked all the boxes. That was one of those hundred-year event flood events that we get up here sometimes. You know, for Grand Forks, years. that was their rapture. Yeah, that that literally yeah. was their rapture. That was every element the Bible warned you about, all wrapped up on that day. Yeah, just missing day. a tornado, and that they would have been set. That was yeah. it. Okay, yeah. so Fargo was close to that, and the Army Corps of Engineers, the federal. The federal people, the Pinkertons in my mind, okay. Well, a lot of people don't realize that we actually are downstream, right? We yeah, s- our, our river goes north. Our river goes north. Yeah, so we've, got, so, we've got a very odd system. So we've got, we we've got like four rivers that head south yeah. out of the Mississippi and the Missouri, and then they dump into the red, which goes up to the Hudson in Canada. Yeah, so we've got a really interesting floodplain system here. You could do a but whole segment just on that stuff. My point is, is that Dennis Wallacher told the feds to F off. He did. Yeah. What Rick Perry, uh, g- yeah. former Governor Perry and former Energy Secretary that I was, you know, yeah. buddy and chumming up with, it, mm-hmm. he did what Wallacher did. Yeah, but it, Wallacher was a mayor. Rick Perry right now, as far as I know, is a private citizen again. So why is anybody asking his opinion? Why yeah. is anyone... That, that, again, now we're back to the media. Yeah. Although I would... Now we're back to the I'm media. I'm not a huge Rick Perry fan, but I'd rather listen to him than Bill Gates because at least Rick Perry's got some government experience. I mean, he was governor of Texas. You know, I mean, come on. I know. There's I, some I, relevancy there. The, tr- you can justify anything you'd like. Yeah. But, well, it, it all comes but, back but to message and agenda. Is, if you're in the media during a crisis, why are, why are you interviewing Bill Gates? Yeah. And, and why Rick Perry? Unless unless it's about the grid, because he is the former governor and he is the former energy secretary, so it actually makes sense. It makes okay? sense. Yeah. My point is getting back what to made, what I'm getting at, though, is, is that the locals, when they tell the feds to, to go F off, mm-hmm. it's okay. And I'm giving you an example right now to where if Dennis Wallacher would have agreed with the feds, Fargo would have been lost. We would have lost, but we didn't. He said we can do it. He did no different than what Rick Perry did. That's all I'm saying is that there is an example of where the local people said, F you, federal government, and they were better off. But what's happened now in the media is they demonize before it even happens. Mm -hmm. Just because it goes against the grain of what the social shaming soccer moms want. Okay? First of all, Rick Perry... Probably shouldn't have been interviewed because he's not in a place of immediate power decision making. He's in he's in a place of reaction. Yes, he is. It's a pretty I don't know. I, I found what he said at least that particular quote to be pretty irres 
kind of just irresponsible. But again, we're getting away from the actual yeah. legitimacy of the story, which yeah. is the grid. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason you talk to him yeah. is because of that. Of, of the ergot or the egot or whatever the thing is he's trying to do. It's ergot. I know, but I can't. Not <laughs> you can't help up it. Tracy Jordan. Yeah, you want an egot. Trying to get into egot. I found it was interesting that Texas M-E. ended up having to pull power out of Mexico. Either way, I'm just telling you, man, is that the way the media operates right now, it is so irresponsible and dangerous. They're killing people. They're killing people. Are we part of that problem? No, we're not. We're not. Nobody listens to us of importance. <laughs> Well, way, you know, my thing is, it's like, Governor dude, Doug if you want to coming on in just a bit, Brooks Landgraf will be calling in Texas it's a State big Representative. Show, man. Nobody listens to this show. What are we talking about here? <laughs> Nobody listens to this part of the show. Colorado <laughs> Senator Ray Scott on the latter half of the program talking about succeeding to Colorado. By the way, that, uh, to Wyoming. That's true, by the way. Yeah. Uh, the Crude Life Daily Update on the radio, which we put in the podcast, is Colorado State Senator... Ray Scott. Let's go to the next news story because I want to get to Ted Cruz. I love Ted Cruz. What's he doing? So Elon Musk. Just, just teasing. How's just he teasing. Into this? Just teasing. Okay, this is. Uh, I don't know exactly the source. Inspired Traveler. Ted Cruz received more money from oil and gas companies in 2018 than any other senator. Let's back up for just a second here. What was the source? Inspired Traveler. And now they're getting political. I guess. So, to me, this is like what Sports Center. Gets involved with politics. So inspired <laughs> travel yeah. is doing a story on Ted Cruz. It's awesome. Like, is this like an in-flight magazine on a digital forum? I don't understand. Yeah. Oh, no, I've heard of inspired travel. <laughs> have, have you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, I mean, they're, they, they do travel stuff. I guess. And apparently politics with Ted Cruz. So well, going? okay. So they're piling in on Ted Cruz's little trip to Cancun, right? Which is all over the news. Um but what they're talking about... This is about, 100% clickbait. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the first, th- the first three paragraphs are it's all about... It's probably got the most news out of everything. They're Let's just talking about his, you know, his trip, right? But then they go on to say, in 2020, so we're about four paragraphs in, we actually get to the headline. Okay. In 2020, Cruz was among the top 20 recipients of oil and gas money in the Senate. That year, the industry gave him $124,272. That's not a bad take. Yeah. North Dakota, you can keep that. Much more telling, however, is that in 2018, an election year for Cruz, he was the top recipient of oil and gas money in the Senate, receiving nearly $800,000 from the industry. Throughout his career, Cruz has received a total of $3,770,950 from oil and gas interests. So you know when I talk about the body of work has been done? When I talk about how when we're we're talking about PR and politics and, and, and how oil and gas when it comes to public relations, you know, I talk about the body of work has been done. Yeah. A lot of people don't know what I'm talking about. Like I still see that confused look in their eyes when I say that. This is is an example of that because there's absolutely no reason for this story. There's no, there's no news in it at all. No, is, where's is that, the beef, is that a, man? Is that That's fair, it. That's really it. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, well, all it does is just bring publicly available data about Ted Cruz into but the argument. The only reason it's in the news yeah. is because of the Cancun trip. Yeah. Okay. So here's, here's Inspired Travel, who understands he's got to put out content. He has to put out content. Otherwise, he's going to be yesterday's news really quick. 
So you got to stay relevant with today's news. This is what I'm telling you from a, from a former publisher and a former award-winning news journalist. This, this is one of the issues out there. This is like 200 words, man. This is like triple spaced, double indented. I mean, this is like, absolutely. this is throwing it in. I mean, this is just but, mailing it in. But I, I, I get the same news briefs you get. Yeah. And this was one of the top read of the day. It, well, it popped up, and I saw Absolutely. the article, and I thought, okay, you know, I looked at the source, thought, never heard Listen, of that before. Listen, folks, we've got rules here, actually, when it comes to these news and things. We, we, Wait, we do? Top 10. Okay. We, we want something that's read in the top 10 news stories of the day because yeah. we want people to understand that these are what the internet is putting out there as the top news stories, okay? And then from there, a little bit of, you know, we get to pick and choose and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, this this is what people are talking about. And from my standpoint, because I don't have a TV and I don't watch a lot of different news programs, this is educational to me because um, I, I, I see the headlines, but I don't click on a lot yeah. of Yeah. Well, that's the nice thing is that you kind of exist in sort of a certain news bubble, like the noise. You know, you, you're looking at industry trends, things that are actually happening. You don't pay attention to a lot of clickbait. Well, for example, I don't pay attention to Bill Gates, mm-hmm. who's trying to he's, he's trying to tell North Dakota how to live, too. Well, he's buddies with Doug Burgum. Burgum's trying to get that. And by the way, Doug Burgum will be on. In the yeah, I was going to say, yeah, is he gonna is he still going to be on after you finish talking? <laughs> Not after I <laughs> talk about that stupid app they want. Everybody Good thing nobody's download. listening. Well, that app, you know, that yeah, I know COVID tracker. Yeah. The one that uh, my phone, by the way, every day now pops up. And here we've got this great app for you to just hit this button. And I got to scroll up to say no thanks. It's the only thing. <laughs> yeah. And I don't ask for it. But hey, it man. to track everything I do. I totally get where you're coming from on that argument. But at the same time, we, we voluntarily carry around a CIA tracking device because it's got cool stuff on it. I mean... If you've got a phone today, they know where you are. They know what you're doing. Doesn't have to be that way. Well, doesn't it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of overreaching. But anyway, I want to get back to the Ted Cruz article here. So <laughs> it's yeah. This it's is article. Awesome. This it's is not from, news. This it's is from article. Inspired travel. This is inspiredtravel.ca. Oh, from Canada. I guess so. So the Canadians are now weighing in on Ted Cruz down <laughs> well, in Texas. They say it rolls downhill, right? This so. is fantastic. <laughs> oh, Ladies man. and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we have come today in the greatest spectacle of all. It is a Barnum and Bailey. Barnum. Yep. Known as the media, folks, because the media now consists of any blogger known as Inspired Travel. What it, It's unbelievable well you know all this does it doesn't even make a statement it doesn't even have a call to action it it doesn't anything it just says ted cruz took a trip to cancun and that doesn't look good and he also gets a lot of money from the oil and gas industry that's all it does but what it does is it says that inspiredtravel.ca (laughs) it's got so many cancun trips and and all these key words. That's exactly it. That it kicked it in. And Isn't it funny that, I mean. that we, I mean, and when I say we, I mean human engineers created search engines to help us better, like the card catalog at a library, right? And now we let it dictate how we write. That's right? my problem. We created cookies. this framework and yeah. said, oh, okay, well, so I have to create content that uses these words to get people here and that means like 80% of my article is just fluff. I really do not like the fact that I do not click on some stories because I don't want more stories like this to come. 
you really have to pay attention Does to that. Does that make stuff. sense? To oh, you? totally, man. Like I see something with Jessica Simpson. Mm-hmm. Okay. And folks, I think she's hot. I really have a thing for Jessica Simpson. And I, I like her when she's rotund. I like her when she's thin. I like her when she's pouty. And she is just trash-tastic, right? She's trashy. She's always seemed like a really nice girl to me. The girl next door. Mm-hmm. She played Daisy Dukes. And that might be why I like her. Well, because I grew up loving the original Daisy Dukes. So I was, yeah. When she embraced her, like, cheesy sexuality she mm-hmm. went all in yep christina i i felt like i needed a shower after i got done watching a video from her <laughs> I, I just felt i felt so dirty it well was awesome. it was it was the difference between apple pie and day-old pizza i well, guess getting punched or... in the nuts and enjoying it yes yeah. <laughs> exactly and then Brittany no idea where we're just, going with this Brittany, I, I wanted to take a shower for different reasons i felt like you man like, i always felt Brittany got a bad rap always felt like i felt she like she was rap. so forcefully manufactured mm-hmm. it was uncomfortable well when like, she she didn't enjoy it yeah exactly when when her stuff was big in like 99 2000 that's what made me uncomfortable was that they were trying to market her as this like teeny bopper that's why i loved jessica simpson because mm-hmm. it's like she was that Catholic girl that finally just broke out because her dad was a Baptist minister was or something really? like that. Yeah, wow. and so, and they, or something along those lines. But when they let her go, they let her go. It was like the Amish people and they, what they call that, Romsfed or when, when you can go and they, they let you go. Yeah, you basically go on a walkabout. Yeah, and, yeah. and, they, and, and they, don't, they don't oversee you. They just no. let you do it. Well, the idea being that you'll go out and get that all out of your system and come back. <laughs> you're come back. It's hard to go back to the farm when you're Jessica Simpson, though. My understanding is, by the way, just a sidebar, like 90% of the Amish do come back and they never leave That's again. what I've heard, too. And the other 10% die. Makes you wonder. <laughs> <laughs> they end up oh, man. with some yeah. New they York City's angsty artists <laughs> and living in studios. And yeah. <laughs> Snort this and All right, so we're this. like six sidebars over here so from Ted, Ted Cruz, Cruz. Though, uh, <laughs> folks that's amazing when when you really think about it though the, this inspired travel article has a presentation of a news story it's it's got news in it but at the end of the day it's just a business with a blog right you know it, you know what I can just throw out content why don't we talk about the fact that Ted Cruz apparently made this stupendous blunder doesn't that seem a little odd to you maybe it was planned all right, I got one thing I got to say about Ted Cruz. No, on his part, he we, wanted to take the bullet. We've wanted to be on Ted. We've wanted Ted Cruz on this program before. I would love to talk to Mr. Ted Mr. Cruz. Um, I did get a little bit uh, judgy with Ted Cruz. You've got a microphone with Trump, mm-hmm. and it was it was not judging a bad way, but like, a, oh come on, man! When Ted Cruz came out and introduced Trump. I did not like that. Now you, I agree with you. He did redeem himself at the end, and I'll let you tell that part of it. But leading up to that, didn't Trump like say his uncle or his nephew or his grandpa killed Davy Crockett and his wife was a whore and all this stuff like that? That's why I bought it. He he implicated his father (laughs) in the assassination of John F. Kennedy and... I think implied, you know, basically that his wife was just ugly. It was just a bunch of like, it, whoa, what dude, are you it, doing, man? It, it was it was sixth grade out behind the class, it's man. It was 
it was that's waiting for I the bus that. trash talk. Didn't he say his uncle killed Davy Crockett? Oh, man. That would have made more sense. That's how ridiculous it seemed. Exactly. You you could have said Davy Crockett or John F. Kennedy. Doesn't matter. It's batshit crazy. <laughs> and so anyway, when he came out and introduced them, I'm like going, oh, boy, that's when you know that party is lock, stock, and barrel. That You know, for me, that's when I realized that, that Ted Cruz would trade anything for the power. Yeah, you know, that's he, what I mean. Yeah, it, he, it, he wants Trump voters. It's, it's, yeah. At the end of the day, that's why I thought they would win, because for the team, man, they'll suck it up. And well, you figure the it's got to be a pretty, so you be pretty narcissistic, man. Crockett, man. Oh, <laughs> I mean, think about the husband-wife team to go, you know what, they called me ugly on you know six billion people, but we're going to go ahead and be buddies. All right, let's get to the next news. Uh, okay, let's lighten it up fun. a little bit. Okay, this comes from Yahoo News. Is Yahoo still around? Wow. That's amazing. I thought they just did uh, classified ads now. Okay, this is from uh, Yahoo News. MySpace. Via USA Today. Snake Snakepocalypse. Florida oh, yeah, yeah, Yahoo's just an aggregate. It's just people. an aggregate, yeah. Florida plans ban on owning pythons, many other high-risk reptiles. Now, They're I wonder just into that why. Now. Yeah. Brevard County, Florida. They're just getting into that now. If wildlife officials get their way later this month, Florida will ban owning or breeding six types of pythons, the green anaconda, and nine other high-risk reptiles. I think you just ban snakes outright in that I think state. it's too late, man. I, no, I think you executive order right to the top. Check this out. This, this, this is above the grid. This is above everything. Biologists say the scaly subjects of their prohibition wreak ecological mayhem by swallowing native birds, mammals as large as a deer, and in the Burmese python case, also spread a foreign parasite that chokes native rattlesnakes to death. When I was down in Key Largo, a week after we left, they caught a nine-footer two blocks from where I was staying and right outside the convenience store. You always store. see a story okay. from that. Yeah. Yeah. Every this week. This was like two blocks from oh, where we were yeah, staying. it's probably right? in your toilet that morning. So when I was talking to the locals, they said that you won't find a raccoon down there anymore. You ah. won't. And, and the rats are all living <clears throat> indoors. They're yeah. all living indoors because yeah. they don't want anything to do with the outside because no. there's too many snakes. I've heard that about lots of parts of Florida. And these rats are about as big as a cat. Yeah, uh, right. Domestic right. Outcast. Yeah. Oh, Dude, when there's when it's nine foot long and it's just gonna swallow you whole, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's interesting though about you know what we call invasive species and what we don't. Because just this week I was reading an article about up in Minnesota, up in uh, Hibbing and the Iron Range. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of those uh, big pits, you know, mining pits. Yeah, those well, big... they fill them full of water. Yeah. Turn them into like rec- ponds, basically. Yeah, right? but yeah. recreation, a lot of cases, you know, yeah. they can jet ski and fish and everything else. Well, then they started stocking them with fish. and Well, this article was about how the lake trout, which is a very uh, cold water, goes to the bo- bottom, of the, bottom of the lake, which works out great for these mining pits because right, they're feeder. extremely deep. There's like no, you know, there's, there's no... There's no shelf. It's, it's, it's just, yeah, you're all in. You go in. from zero to 100 yeah. feet, right? <laughs> well, apparently this is bringing tourism to these communities that were, were dying. Now, because of these lake trout, which were introduced by the government, which would technically be an invasive species, right. 
uh, they look at them differently. They look at them as this, okay? But and we talked about this before we got on the air about how, you know, Montana's got uh, cutthroat trout mm-hmm. and rainbow trout, which I believe are. I think those are invasive as I, well. I believe yeah. they are. I know the pheasants are yeah. in North Dakota. Well, the Asian carp was introduced to try to deal with another problem. I don't even know if the Asian carp was introduced, man. I think that was uh, just a bunch of no but you know we, we see stories about that where either it's released accidentally yes. right like the trout probably was or it's a case of where they bring something in to try to control something else and then that becomes the dominant that, and, and that was what happened in the early you know 1900s mm-hmm. to probably the mid 1900s and then they stopped doing that because they realized okay well there's a butterfly effect okay? <laughs> yeah yeah they were Can't starting to see that. the effect well, and in fact the other one that was interesting too was uh Goldfish. Mm. Have you ever read articles on goldfish, especially down south? Uh, I've heard that some can be revived after they're frozen. So goldfish can live a long time, and then they yep. get to be these big Friggin koi. huge. They're koi. Yeah. These koi, right? Kois are basically goldfish. Are they are really? Carp, Just right? fully grown. And when you get to some of these southern places that don't freeze, well, when they get big enough, they become the dominant Sure. And they take over these ponds. Yeah. And they just take over. There's nothing and that can compete with nothing that. Nothing can yeah. compete with them. So They're like tuna. This, and then, of course, down in Texas, you've got where the, it's a, the flip of that, which is like the anaconda down in Florida, which I don't think that the government cares if you kill them. The, these wild boars, these feral hogs. Well, you know, it doesn't seem to be very popular in Florida to this legislation that they're talking about. Um, I'm just surprised that they're even going through legislation. Well, it's actually it's a legitimate problem to the ecosystem. Well, check this out. They've actually they've they've failed in the past. This is the federal government and the state government to be able to limit Python sales. Those haven't held up in court. So they're basically they're trying to um, the United States Association of Reptile Keepers based in North Carolina sued the federal government in 2013 to undo a ban importing pythons and other constrictor snakes or transporting them across state lines. So there's surprisingly large reptile lobby that I would not have suspected. There's more than 5,000 licenses in Florida currently that authorize possession of wildlife in captivity. Wow. So we're way over on time, so I'm just going to kind of end with this thought. As I dropped my phone there, I apologize. I just got a text from Vicki Leach and Brooks Landgraf, and we'll be joining them after the commercial break. But uh, in Hawaii, when I was there, you know, they don't allow a lot of this stuff. So Petco tried to have a pet store there in the early 80s, Mm. and they crashed the plane. You're kidding. No. And so all these animals got out, and that's why they have a big feral cat problem out there. So it's like a Noah's Ark type of thing? They did they, they were, do it on purpose? No, think? no. But I they wonder. Were, basically, they, they, they got they got they took care of everything. It was just the um, cats they didn't get. So now there's an invasive cats huge yeah. problem, and they're huge cats. Jeez. And the hogs and the and the boars, they were brought by us, right? Americans. Yeah, people wanted their and meat so, on the hoof. But they have a zero tolerance policy for this stuff in Hawaii. That's what I think they should do in Florida with this. All right, Vicki Leach, Brooks Landgraf. When we come back, that is Sterling. My name is Jason Spies. Work hard, play hard. Brother suck, it holds the power of the hour. And the light switch turns your tongue sour. There's no way to explain how this got that way. It's the same reason the sky's blue. When you believe in... 
Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. The Crude Life with Jason Speece. Thank you for joining the program today. If you want to look at America, you go to Permian and the Bakken, and, and that's what America should be, united as one. And that's exactly what we are. And, and then, you know, that's what I love about the oil and gas industry. One county in Kansas, one single county, produced 9% of the world's oil. That was oil that won World War One, As the British said from the floor of Parliament, the Allies floated to victory on a sea of oil. Work sticked out here in the Permian Basin. Yeah, leadership really needs to take a look at how we've been doing things and constantly make changes in how we can do things better. Commodities are always, 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 any commodity business, whether it's milk or whether it's oil or whether it's apples, they always are boom or bust because the solution to low prices is high prices. The solution to high prices is, you know, is high prices. It's a big issue. You know, it's kind of red riding hood syndrome here. People making out the industry to be the big bad wolf and on top of that you know you would get a nice increase in pay as i'm sure most of us all know when you move to oil field areas you get a a nice little bump in pay after him and i having five margaritas over at the cork and pig i called my boyfriend and i was like hey do you want to move to texas and he was like yeah when when are we moving (laughs) and honestly we moved about a month after that this oil and gas industry i've met some of the best people i've ever met in my life doing this Play hard, work hard. Time now to work hard on the Swan Energy phone lines. Welcome back to the Crude Live Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling, and we've got a jam-packed house today. we got a full phone lines on our Swan Energy phone line here. Ready for this? Texas Representative Brooks Landgraf is on the line with us. Vicki Leach and Raymond Hagen as well. Ray, are you both with Hydra USA? Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay, Thank good. Just wanted to make sure on that before we get into some of the other uh, humanitarian portions of the segment. And as I mentioned, Sterling's with us here as well. Um, I notice that in my email here, uh, Governor Abbott waived certain regulations to allow trucks from alcohol industry to deliver grocery supplies. We mentioned the one last segment about the emergency meeting uh, to address spike in the energy bills. And then also they announced the EPA approval of waivers to expedite fuel to Texas communities coming in from the governor's office. Also, we've got Brooks Landgraf with us to navigate through some of those as well as his own. What he's got, are you out of Midland? Is that right? Midland, Odessa, or what, where exactly is your district, Mr. Brooks Landgraf? Well, Jason, it's good to be with y'all. I appreciate the invitation. So I'm from Odessa, and that's a big part of my district, but I also represent, in addition to Hector County, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Hector County, Ward County, and Winkler County, but uh, all all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. Winkler County, that's where the uh, 
Meridian Energy Group's going to be putting the Walton Refinery, like oh, the one, yeah, like the one right. up in the bottom. Yeah. yeah, okay, just a little plug for yes. them there, quick. Uh, so, uh, Vicky, we'll get to you in just a second, but uh, Brooks Landgraf, you you heard a few of the uh, orders that came in from uh, Governor Abbott's office, as well as just some of the things happening out there. Just kind of an update from you, what you're hearing. Uh, from the people out there, and we'll hear from Vicki in a second, who has quite a story trying to get a generator, and she's on a water rationing program and a few other things, but we'll get the voice of authority first. So uh, what are you hearing down there, and what are you recommending to people? Well, first of all, Vicki is the, vo- the voice of authority, but I'll, I'll warm up for her. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, the, uh, I mean, this, is, this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas, uh, there are, and let me just say this, I, I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid. Uh, as more information comes to light, uh, I think I think it's becoming clearer and clearer that the people of Texas should have never been in this situation. And we are, uh, and I'm a member of the Texas House of Representatives, and this coming Thursday, uh, we are having our first of what will end up being many uh hearings as part of an event of an investigation into ERCOT uh, to understand precisely what went wrong and then what steps we will have to take to make sure that this does not happen again. So uh, I think our, our mandate is crystal clear uh, here moving forward about what we need to do because Texas in the 21st century should not have gone through uh, what we went through the, this past week. So, uh, you know, thankfully, uh, as you all know, there are no more rolling outages uh, t- there are still some Texans who don't have power uh, to the extent that that's the case. It's because there have been equipment failures, things like that. And the transmission owners are working around the clock. Uh, linemen are working around the clock to uh, restore power uh, in places where it physically uh, has to be reconnected. So I-, I think in terms of getting the power back on, uh, we've cleared that hurdle, uh, at least from a statewide policy perspective. Of course, now we're dealing with water shortages. Uh, there are uh, water boil notices all across the state. Uh, Texans are uh, also having to deal with uh, with busted pipes in their houses that froze during the storm, uh, and that's creating uh, a big uh, a big need for plumbers. If you've been to the grocery store in the last couple of days, uh, you've seen that the shelves have not been uh, stocked because people have been rushing to resupply uh, their own pantries. And because of the power outage, uh, a lot of uh, suppliers went offline. And then, of course, we had icy roads that kept deliveries from being made. Uh, so that's created a backlog on, on the grocery front. And that's why, as you mentioned, Jason, Governor Abbott has uh, authorized uh, different carriers, whether, you know, even beer distributors and the like, to be able to uh, deliver much needed items to grocery store shelves so that those can be restocked because it's, as we all know, uh, that's desperately needed. So I think we. So long story short, and I apologize for going on and on like this, but we've we've moved out of the power crisis, and now we're dealing with a water, food, and fuel crisis. Um, and and clearly, uh, uh, thanks to Governor Abbott's leadership and and, uh, and others at, at the state level, uh, I think we're doing everything possible to address those needs. Uh, but there's still a lot of anger. I'm I'm still pretty upset about the situation that that we found ourselves in. And, uh, you know, first of all, I think it's, it's more important to do things right, put the uh, protocols in place, the policies in place to keep this from happening again. But we also need to uh, hold ourselves accountable uh, for the mistakes that were made that led 
uh, that led to this crisis to begin with. Two two part question or two different questions actually. What's a water burn or boil? Uh, sorry, a water boil notice. I'm not familiar with that. Well, no, that's a, that's a good question, and a lot of Texans are, are having to find out about it for the first time. I figured so, as much, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, what that is is when uh, power was lost uh, at a water treatment plant. You know, the water treatment plant takes mm. the water from a source, and in Texas, uh, a lot of those sources are freshwater reservoirs, so it's surface water uh, that has, you know, different types of bacteria. You have fish living in there. It's oh, yeah. not uh, as, as naturally clean as, say, uh, you know, an underground source like a like a spring uh, water source. And so uh, before that water can be consumed by humans, it has to go through a treatment process. When the power goes down, the water treatment facilities go down. Uh, but in some cases, the water keeps flowing through, uh, you know, through the pipeline network. And so in order to make sure that all of the bacteria are out um, uh, in your community, will have a different, you know, not every community has to do this, but check with your local water provider. If you are under a water boil notice, it just means that you need to boil that water uh, before uh, you you consume it or use it for cooking or anything like that. Sure, uh, but it's but, but it's designed to kill off the bacteria that could uh, that could do harm to your body. I never even thought of that. You know, dysentery and a few other things. You know, um, sure, we've got you know we've got so many aquifers up here that we just you know we pull it from everything. Ar- arsenic is our biggest issue up here, I guess. Yeah, arsenic right. and iron and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So uh okay, and then the second question was is you know up here in in North Dakota and the western side of North Dakota especially there was uh, uh Governor Burgum who's going to be on in the latter part of the program here. He was issuing uh power warnings all week for western North Dakota because of of the Texas situation and then in moorhead minnesota which is connected to fargo uh fargo moorhead a lot like dallas fort worth uh they had rolling blackouts because of of the texas have have you been told or been educated i still don't i have not been given a satisfactory answer of how these are so connected and everything like that have you been debriefed at all (laughs) (laughs) well so uh so i've done a lot of uh you know, trying to get uh, questions answered, answered for my own constituents, I've, I've found myself doing a lot of independent research. Boy, did you never uh, think you'd be answering a Moorhead, <laughs> Minnesota question or well, a I Stark did, did. County? <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, but you're, but you're right. But, yeah, I mean, in, in so many ways, the, you know, the Bakken and the Permian, you know, we are kind of, uh, you know, soul brothers and soul sisters, uh, you know, in so many ways. But I never thought that uh, that would manifest itself, uh, you know, in a, on a grid power situation. But I will say this, you're the first one to mention to me, or this is the first time that I'm hearing it, that uh, that there had to be power outages in a place like North Dakota uh, based on what was happening down in Texas. And the reason why is that, uh, Jason, I know I'm not breaking any news here, but Texans kind of have a uh, have an independent streak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, we, we kind of uh, take a little bit of uh, state pride in, in everything that we do. Uh and, uh, you know, most of the time that's all, all uh, you know, fun and games. But uh, sometimes that does manifest itself into our state's policies. And probably the biggest example of that is that uh, Texas is the only state in the lower 48 that has its own uh, power grid. Now, it's not for the entire state, but it does serve about 90 percent of the state. And we call it ERCOT. Uh, and it's actually it's not completely isolated from the rest of the country, but it operates independently from the two larger 
uh, grids that are regulated by the federal government, one that serves basically everything west of Texas, and then another that basically serves everything east of Texas. And one reason why we do that is because our grid is designed to keep the air conditioners running, uh, you know, in July and August when we can go, you know, 40 or 50 days in a row with 100 degree plus temps. So it's a grid that's designed to uh, maximize electric output in the summer, which is historically when we need it the most. Now, sometimes, uh, you know, folks in Canada and the Dakotas send their polar vortexes down to us, uh, you know, once once a decade or once every 25 years or so. And the entire state freezes over uh, like we saw this week. And the long basically the long story short is that uh, our grid was not designed to be optimal under you know a week uh, a week's period of time when uh, when we had basically sub-zero temperatures uh, for that entire duration. The other problem is is that we didn't properly winterize plants, and then we also uh, February through April is, is the usual time when Texas uh, generating plants uh, go offline for maintenance for those that have scheduled maintenance. And as you know, those can't just be, you know, you can't just flip the switch back on and those get back on the grid. They actually need a month or two in some cases, depending on where they are in the maintenance uh, operation to be able to come back online. So we just had too much that was offline. The things that were online weren't properly winterized. And then we also uh, had a situation where some of our uh, uh, resource sources um, also had freezing issues. And so it really was literally a perfect storm that, that caused us to be in this situation. But that being said, it could still have been uh, prevented. But anyway, I guess circling back to your original question, I didn't uh, because we are relatively autonomous with our grid. I didn't know that other other states were having to make uh, some adjustments based on uh, based on what was happening down here in Texas. Well, it makes sense though because when you take a look at uh, 2005 to 2015, Texas. And North Dakota uh, essentially carried the economies, um, and, and it doesn't. Ta- you can go ahead and go to any economist; they'll tell you the same thing. When you take a look at the the chart, it was it was the shale boom that really carried a lot of every every other industry declined. Every other industry lost jobs. The 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 the, the entrepreneur movement, the whole tech boom movement, the healthcare movement, all those lost jobs. The only one that gained right. jobs was the mining industry, mining, meaning the oil and gas industry. So it doesn't right. surprise me that, you know, um, OPEC or what, what did Christy Craddock call uh, uh, the Texas Railroad Commission, the mini OPEC mini or OPEC, the, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. I mean, That's so. Right. That's right. Yeah. And so Texas puts out, obviously, the amount of energy they do. Up here in North Dakota, we're familiar with with putting out, you know, because we're second, we're Snapple, if you will. Or, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, hey, we got some respect, but we're still, you know, we, we know our place. By the way, sidebar, our, uh, our football team is playing like a five, six-game schedule. Isn't that odd in the, wow. middle, the middle of March? Anyway, so bowl, bowl <laughs> hey, games down, are over. Down here in Texas, we'll, you know, we'll take year-round football. I know it's just kind of it's just kind of weird though after the bowl games are done. I mean, it's just like, okay, what are you playing for now? <laughs> I just didn't wait. But I, I did want to ask you about the spikes in uh, bills, okay? You know, I'm yeah. seeing headlines all over. In fact, I just pulled up my my Yahoo homepage right now and it's another story about another person who's got a $16,000 energy bill and 
you know, apparently they're not hard to find. Two things, two things. Okay, number one, what what's going on? That's the obvious one. But number two is, I think right now is a good time for for people to be reminded that government can can make quick snap decisions based on overreactions. And right. and and what what I'm seeing here is is a narrative to either do some sort of uh, I call it rent control, but energy control, uh, some sort of new regulation that's going to create a, uh, a universal system all the time, as opposed to a one time fail safe. Do you know what I'm talking about by that? Uh, no, I, I hear you. And look, I, Jason, I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, and, and I really appreciate that perspective. But, I, you know, I, I will say this, you know, normally, so I'm a like, I'm a conservative Republican. I'm a free market guy. I'm a pro fossil fuels guy. Uh, you know, I know what makes our economy tick. There, there have been a lot of issues with uh, just in the last several days. Uh, customers have been going, uh, you know, checking their uh, their electric providers, the, the apps, and looking at the rates, and have seen these exorbitant price increases. And let me tell you how we got there. Uh, and it's not a free market um, issue like you would think. It's actually the government getting in the way is what, what's led to this. I don't like it one bit, and, and we're actually taking action. I sent a letter to the Public Utilities Commission of Texas on Friday uh, to, to ask them to put a stop to it. But let me, let me tell you how we got there first. So on Monday night, this was about 24 hours after we realized the mess that we were in as far as power outages across the state. Uh, we were in the grip of this polar vortex storm. And the Public Utility Commission of Texas, which has – uh, jurisdiction over the grid operator uh, said, look, in order for the grid to get back up and running, it's going to be expensive. And this Public Utilities Commission, which is just three commissioners, uh, authorized the generators to increase the rates uh, to cover the cost of getting back, uh, getting electricity back on the grid. Now, I agree from a, uh, you know, from an actuarial standpoint that it costs money to do what took place this week to get power back to Texans homes. I get that 100%. It's an expensive prospect. What I don't understand and what I don't like is that that pass was, or that, excuse me, that cost was being immediately passed on to customers who were left freezing in their homes for several days at a time without power. And now all of a sudden they are immediately expected to bear those costs, bear costs for somebody else's mistake. Now, I just... The, the timing of that could not have been worse. And that's why on Friday I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, generator, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. Now, I understand that if we're going to winterize our generating plants like, like we talked about, look, that's going to cost money. And ultimately, uh, the consumer is going to have to, to bear those costs. But there's a smarter way to do that and spread it out. Uh, and then we also need to conduct this investigation to see if, look, were those charges already accounted for and some of these providers just didn't spend the money to winterize? You know, if that's the case, then this that's going to be a, a, an entirely different conversation. But I just don't believe, uh, you know, as a matter of principle, in making innocent Texans who are left literally in the cold, uh, you know, leaving them to, to bear this cost. There's just something fundamentally uh unfair about that and because it was a government action that led to these uh prices uh, increasing uh it's it's incumbent upon me as a representative of the people i serve uh to 
asked them to really demand in the letter i said demand i didn't say pretty please i said you can't do this to the people of texas and others have since joined in and the governor is on board with making sure that you know we don't put this burden on the backs of hard-working texans uh and, and so but i think that's absolutely necessary for us to move forward is look we, we need to hold those who are responsible and look that may come with uh, with a financial uh, burden or we, we just need to be smart about it that can't be a snap decision that's it's one of these bad decisions that's made you know in the fog of war and i think that's something that we have to protect against mm-hmm. if you got a pdf of that uh letter we'll put that on our website too um and promote i do i do i'll I'll be happy to send it we'll be happy to promote that on social media for you too uh uh, vicky and raymond we'll get to you in just a second here apologize for keeping you to uh online here but uh representative brooks landgriff has uh, given us some good information here um absolutely i i did want to ask brooks one more uh, representative landgriff one more question before we Listen to uh, Vicky's story about trying to get a generator, and she's on. Are you still on water rationing, or can you turn on the faucet yet, Vicky? Oh. Um, we'll have water for until five p.m. and then we'll be off again for the night. Okay, so you're still on water rationing. Okay, bath before five o'clock. Okay, <laughs> well that's interesting. Um. I guess you, you, Representative Langriff, you mentioned something that I didn't even think of, which is that were there actually uh, certain government dollars or grant dollars or something tied to winterizing grids? I guess I, I never even thought of that. So I don't, I don't want to, so that's something that it's going to take this investigation that we're formally beginning next week to, to get to the bottom of that. I don't want to make any, definitive statements on your podcast without knowing uh, for sure the truth of it. So I, I don't want to say that. Okay. Uh, because it, so, but if that turns out to be the case, then that would be a very serious issue because that's effectively theft from, from these customers. And instead of some well, of the generators using that money uh, to do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. That's, that, that would be. A no, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my context is um, sure. um, the context I'm coming from is, is actually the California wildfires. Is that when the investigation happened on the California wildfires, what they found out was that the energy company that was involved had to do cutbacks because they had to direct a certain amount of dollars towards certain uh, energy sources. And so they stopped trimming the trees back as one of the cost cutting measures. And that was actually what caused one of the wildfires in the last five years or something like that. So um, that's where my mind was coming from is that if there was certain areas that things were supposed to be done but they weren't being done because you know just certain areas being directed certain ways i'm 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 in the same boat you're at right now representative Landgraf. try not to say too much to get myself in trouble <laughs> <laughs> right right no I, yeah i just don't want to say anything that's uh that's inaccurate it's obviously kind of a sensitive uh, issue and and look, I think that there. I just want to be focused on on the areas where we actually yeah. need. We're gonna have we're gonna have enough problems uh, as it is. I don't want to I don't want to invent any new ones out of thin air. So no, we, but that's got our work cut out for us. That's yeah. interesting though, because I did wonder about that uh, with with the amount of climate change talk and everything else. If if any of that discussions we're having, we're having discussions on our program about even like the pipeline protesters. You know, instead of 
protesting new pipelines. Why don't you protest the ones that need to be redone because it's critical infrastructure? <laughs> and so right, you know, we got right, br- right. we got bridges that need to be redone and things. We're just trying to have different conversations. That's all. But let's bring in Vicky for a second. Hey, Vicky, do you mind telling the story about uh, how you know you guys went without power? You you put out a call for a generator and you're on water rationing. To, so just kind of give people an idea what it's like right now being a Texan. And uh, where you're located and just kind of what it's been like the last few days. Sure. Um, so, I mean, I'm in Rockport. So we, we got um, a lot less weather than a lot of people. Um, you can probably know that snow uh, and ice is extremely abnormal for this far south in Texas. Uh, the concrete does not take kindly. Um, and uh, I do want to throw this out there just really quick, Jason. Uh, Representative uh, Landgraf, not only is he a personal, you know, do I know him personally, but I follow him as, as do I several other reps uh, for Texas. And I actually had to follow Representative Landgraf to get updates because he was literally on social media every day, several times a day, if not hourly, giving updates to the state of Texas, whereas no one else was. Uh, And the representative in our area, like, passed along one about rolling... Uh, power, which we never saw that in Rockport, by the way, but Brooks was literally on every hour getting every update he possibly could to his area, which because we would have no idea what was going on had it not been for Representative Landgraf. So, huge kudos to him. <laughs> Best had to get that out there. Um, anyhow, rolling power, we never saw that here in Rockport. Once we went out at the wee hours Monday morning, we never saw power again until super late Wednesday night. Not being prepared for that because it doesn't happen in this area. All of us pulled together. You know, Bernadette lives here. Um, Bernadette actually had power on the other side of the golf course, uh, which was crazy. Um so we all went over to Bernadette's and had supper one night. And the other night, we actually went out to one of our other friends and we got firewood because I actually have a fireplace. Nobody else did. So we built the fire at my house to be warm. And a couple of friends, you know, uh, came over and one of, our, one of my teacher friends came over here and we had sleepovers here and kept warm here by the fire. Um, no water, thank goodness. You know, we keep a lot of uh, cases of water around because we go, you know, we go to the beach all the time. And now we have no water. Um, And thank goodness for all that oil field cooking because I cooked on the fireplace, I'll have you know. Um, We kind of lived like Little House on the Prairie for a minute. But um, anyhow, uh, now, you know, we're everybody kind of, trying to get back into the swing of things, but now we have this water rationing, 
so our water gets turned on at 8 o'clock in the morning and gets turned back off at 5 p.m. So you've got to fill your bathtub. I was just going to ask, describe how that works. I mean, because a lot of people say fill your bathtub and then you've got water throughout the day to, you know, boil and do a number of different things like that. Is that what you're doing? Well, I'm not cooking with it because I see what it looks like in the bathtub and I'm not trying to cook with that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Making soup in the bathtub. Yeah, um... It's hard enough to try to take a shower in it. I think my hair, my hair is just rebelling. Um, knowing what it looks like in the bottom of my head. <laughs> so um, I've had to be, I've kind of had to be a little creative on, you know, what I'm making. And I'm trying to, uh, I'm preparing meals ahead of time, you know, because I'm going to work this week. We, you know, we, uh, Hydra, uh, uh, my guys from Hydra are coming in from Kentucky and Canada. Just got to throw this in there. Uh, there are some things that, that we do at Hydra that can um, help with the flooding and things that are going on, which that's why we've got rain in here. Um, so I'm trying to, you know, get my, my house prepared for me to be gone for a few days. So, you know, my dad has things here to, to eat and heat up and, well, there's literally nothing at the grocery store. There's I was no going to ask you, what, what are the grocery stores like? It's, it's they're bare. There's no meat. There's nothing in the frozen food section. Literally, every one of the cases, I will go by there and take pictures and send them to you today, Jason. Um, nothing in the dairy section. Nothing in the meat section. Nothing in the frozen food section. Uh, there's no water, no cases of water, no water at all to be found. Um, Raymond, like I said, is coming from Kentucky tomorrow. Uh, he's going to be bringing cases of water from Kentucky, bless his heart. Wow. Um, and he's going to stop somewhere and get some milk to bring for my dad. Uh, Better boil that water from Kentucky. You don't know about it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it's bourbon, isn't it? Isn't that what Kentucky water is? Yeah, it's just straight bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, That's okay, quite the challenge. You know, we, we and back when I was doing some stuff at uh, KFGO Radio, we would we would have these power outages every now and then, ice rain, and it would snap the, the power lines. And the more rural you were, of course, you were the more lower on the priority list but those people were very self-sufficient yeah. we started doing like daily check-ins with these folks and they they were fine and everything they were you know they, they were had no problems and everything else but it's amazing how you know you forget how quickly we forget that you know there are rural people out there that they may go a month without power i mean it's just just because of the snapped phone lines and you know the power company oh, yeah. has only got X amount of people that can do that task and things like that. And they're okay with it and everything along those lines. So anyway, I, I, just I bet wood burning there. fireplaces are going to yeah. be a new popular I thing in parts of Texas. I'm sorry. What was that, Vicki? The ice storm in Oklahoma back in uh, 2001. Uh, I was five weeks with no power. Five weeks. Yes, sir. That's it a lot. Crazy. Yes. 
Ice Storm of 2001. That was, woo. There are a lot of Hollywood celebrities that pay big bucks to go five weeks without power. <laughs> they call that a walkabout or something. <laughs> anyway, so sorry about that. Yeah, but. have you seen the meme going around? No. The one that says, you know, it's the one that said, uh, it's got the picture of the one that says, you know, can you live in this cabin for 90 days or whatever without Wi-Fi and, Wi-Fi and uh, <laughs> yeah. electricity? And it says, uh, winter storm, Texas winter storm 2021. And it's got like, uh, it has like Mari on there and he's opening the results and it says, uh, <laughs> Has proven has proven that you cannot. <laughs> hmm. Well, um, Vicky, you mentioned Raymond has some solutions to what's been going on out there. For so, there's actually some solution-based journalism here to uh, some problems that exist. So, Raymond, h- how is it that that you guys in Hydra can assist some people out there with what's happening and either either during or or the cleanup, if you will. I want to thank you for allowing me to be on the show today, um, Representative Brooks. Uh, it's an honor to, to meet you, sir. Um, Likewise. We have we have a um, a series of uh, sanitation, basically, services that we are currently in the process of building that won't benefit this disaster at all. But in the future, we'll, we'll have the capabilities of coming in with a couple different types of trailers that um, we can pull into any water source, be it salt water, brackish water, or any type of fresh water, and produce roughly 14,000 gallons of potable drinking water per day. Um, then we'll also have the capabilities of coming in and tying into the sanitation sewer plant and treating an estimated 300,000 gallons of raw sewage a day. Um, I know that that's not beneficial to this particular storm, but Texas is storm prone for hurricanes and and other issues. One issue that, that is about to come about for the state of Texas is groundwater and flooding. Uh, We have a full containment system here to protect most of the infrastructure, be it public utilities, uh, public-owned buildings of any kind. Um, with With the incoming fluctuation of groundwater that is about to hit Texas from the north, as, as that polar vortex came about, we see the immediate um, catastrophic that, that happened in Texas with the power and water outages. What, what a lot of folks don't think about is what's coming, what's coming from the north, from North Dakota. As your snow and ice melts in North Dakota, it's going to end in either uh, Louisiana or Texas, depending on what, what part of the state that you're in, I think you mentioned West North Dakota. So most of that water is going to end up in Texas. And as that happens, the the flooding is going to occur. And 
those are the things that we specialize in. Number one is temporary flood protection equipment and diverting groundwater and surface water. And, of course, you see this as a, a, something that's going to be needed over the next few weeks as kind of a secondary after effect of what people need is clean up and et cetera. Absolutely. You know, and it, it's not – our realm is larger than just the flood protection. We also get into flood mitigation and flood remediation. Uh, as this flood water comes down, you know, there's going to be roads that are, that are going to be washed out, bridges that are going to be damaged. Um, if you watch the news, you can see even up here they're, they're showing all of the, of the damage that's occurring to the critical infrastructure in more than just Texas, but especially Texas. Um, we do offer ways of bringing water systems back online and assisting public utilities as far as getting their critical infrastructure back online and trying to relieve some of this pain in Texas. Uh, we're, we're here to help in any way possible with any humanitarian need. Um, I'm bringing more than just enough water for Vicki. I hope to help a few more families with, with water, milk, whatever Vicki tells me that, that those folks need. I'll, I'll do everything I can to fill my truck up on my way down. Raymond Hagen, that's the name of the voice you're hearing. Vicki Leach also on the line with us. Brooks Landgraf, representative Brooks Landgraf. And Brooks, I just kind of wanted to pass this question off to you as we conclude here as I'm looking at the time. You know, what Raymond Hagen was talking about is actually legitimate because in North Dakota, when we had the Bakken boom come back in the 2003, 4, and 5, um, right around 2008, 9, and 10, the roads were a real problem because those roads were built for maybe a half a dozen combines a year. That's it, you know, and all of a sudden we got these these 18 wheelers on them and then all the, you know, you get you get a flash flood that comes and that road's gone, just washes out type of a thing. So I, I get I get where these are actually serious problems that a lot of people don't understand out there. So my question to you, Brooks, is, What's next? You know, I like to I like to look at what should we do next? What's the call to action? What do you want people to know? You know, Vicky got her problem taken care of and and everything else, but she's still on water rationing. You know, Governor Abbott's still setting out press releases, so there's investigations happening. What should people do this week as uh, you know we kind of experience the aftermath? Well, so yeah, as for what the actions are, uh, action items are right now, I think it's it's pretty clear. Uh, we need to make sure that all Texans uh, get water um, and, and get have their basic needs taken care of. Uh, and, and look, that the, the government needs to do that to the, to the greatest extent possible. But I've always found that, you know, neighbors helping neighbors is also, uh, you know, more effective uh, than, uh, you know, than getting the government machinery. I mean, it, this is going to be an all hands on deck type of effort. But making sure that people's basic needs are being taken care of. I think is the is the action item uh, this week uh, repealing uh, regulations that make it difficult for uh, you, you know to get uh, you know trucks from uh, warehouses to grocery stores you know, anything like that you know, we just need to 
make it easy to make sure that people are taken care of. I think that's the order of business uh, here for the, uh, you know, for the next few days. And it has been for the last several days as well. Um, as far as the larger policy issues go, uh, look, we're, we're about to be in accountability season for, uh, for the poor decision-making or the poor policies that, that led to this situation. Uh, so there, there absolutely has to be accountability, but even, uh, even more important than that, is we need to have uh, a, a system in place that prevents the state of Texas from going through this nightmare uh, ever again. The people of Texas deserve better than what they got this week. Uh, I think we're going to find that uh, there could have been uh, – this could have been a preventable uh, situation uh, if, if we had uh, spent the money in a smart way where we needed to uh, and, and communicated in a better way. I think that we could have uh, – we could have all been in a better situation. So we need to make sure that we do everything possible to make sure that it doesn't happen again. So, uh, yeah, immediately we need to make sure that people are taken care of, uh, in terms of water and and food and fuel. Uh, but then moving forward, we got to hold everybody accountable and we've got to change our policies to make sure this doesn't happen again. And before we go to the break, I just want to, I just kind of want to leave with this a little bit, you know, throughout times, these things do happen. They do happen. And, what makes us better as a society is how we react, you know. And when I take a look at Sterling and I were talking about the old Exxon, Exxon Valdez oil tanker spill from, was it the 80s or 90s? I can't remember when it was. But 80s. 80s it yeah. was. You know, we, we had, all of a sudden we got double tankers out of that and, and, and expandable membranes. And there was a lot of good that came out of this. So what I'm looking at here is that if Texas is going to get an upgraded grid, and we're going to get better policy, and we're going to figure out ways that are going to make the individual more safe and more secure. I think that's probably going to be a good thing in the end. I don't yeah, know what too. your thought is on that, Brooks, but or Vicky or Raymond or anybody on that. I'll, I'll let you guys have the final word, I guess. And nobody wants it. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say that I agree. I, I, well, I was going to give the, the others a chance because I've been talking too much here uh, in, in, in true politician form, unfortunately. Uh, but, uh, no, I think, you know, there is another lesson in all of this, and I think for, for this particular show it's, it's important to note that, uh, look, there's, we, we do a lot of things really well in Texas. Uh, evidently preparing for a, a polar vortex is not one of them. Uh, but, you know, one thing that we do very well, uh, particularly in the part of the Texas where I come from, the Permian Basin, is we produce uh, natural gas uh, very prolifically and very well. And uh, it's that can be a tremendously reliable uh, source uh, to generate electricity. And I think that we need to make sure that because we have natural gas in abundance, uh, we need to prioritize that on our grid because it is so reliable. But we need to make sure that the plants that, that use natural gas as a fuel to generate electricity uh, are properly winterized. But if you do something well, focus on that um, and make sure that it's set up for success. And that's a big takeaway that I have uh, and a lesson that I've learned this week is that we need to uh, do what we do best. Uh, You know, there are other energy forms and and I understand the conversation about those. And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, that we can't include that as part of a larger portfolio. Uh, but we need to make sure that everything is competing on on a, on a on a fair playing field. Uh, but we also need to make sure that when push comes to shove, uh, that we're relying on our uh, on our most reliable source. And and for me in Texas, I think that's natural gas. Snow's following, starting to blow. The season's 
Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecoodlife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. It's a robber shining with the mocky sound. A frozen cobblestone reflects the night. Riding up the smiling faces of the people passing by. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by... If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. Industrial forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Time now to work hard on the Swan Energy phone lines. Good day, listeners, friends. Today we get to speak with the awesome Governor Doug Burgum from North Dakota. Very excited to get to talk with him today. And we don't have too much time because he is very busy. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in. And uh, let's hear about the energy industry in North Dakota as it is right now. I know there's been lots and lots of changes. You've been um, putting forth executive orders. What have you been going through for the last month? Well, Jenica, first of all, great to be with you. And thanks for all the great uh, work that you do on uh, porting on such an important industry. And as you know, you and your listeners have been following. But, you know, we started out uh, back in January with President Biden coming in and indicating through his uh, inauguration address that he was uh, wanting to talk about unity. And then what did we get the first couple of weeks is we have uh, more uh, executive orders than any president in history, uh, more than double the Obama administration, uh, including some that had a direct impact on uh, things that are important to all of us, uh, including American energy security. So it, it's been an interesting uh, last month. For sure. And then uh, you throw on top of that everything that's happening right now across the power grid in the United States. Uh, certainly, uh, certainly a lot of challenges and a lot of headwinds for the energy industry. And we're doing everything we can in North Dakota to fight back against that and make sure that we're fighting for, uh, or again, for American jobs, American manufacturing, for <clears throat> appropriately priced uh, gas at the tank to help hardworking American families and everything we can to help keep our economy strong and our country strong. 
Oh, absolutely. And so, okay, so with these executive orders, it actually appeared to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but it appeared to me that North Dakota was actually the first state to uh, adopt kind of a way to bypass orders that had been found to be unconstitutional or to have a detrimental impact on the economy. Well, there's there's been uh, multiple things going. Our office right away, we, we issued an executive order from our office instructing all of the agencies in the state of North Dakota to start evaluating the impact of the Biden uh, federal you know, rule changes and executive orders. And so we can really understand what that's going to mean in terms of uh, to you know, jobs and American energy security. Uh, and then secondarily, I think what you're referring to is there has been a proposal in our legislature that's working its way through, uh, but that has not yet been uh, passed mm. or reached my desk okay. yet. Uh, well, I, actually, I would be I would be curious to hear more about that. I, I was talking about the uh, the executive order that you would put out on February second or third, directing the agencies to look into the uh, executive orders from the Biden administration. Um, was what I had actually been referring to, but what? legislation were you just noting if i might ask well there there well there's a uh, we'll, we'll see if it makes it through uh, both chambers but there was uh, some discussion among legislators about trying to uh, introduce legislation uh, that would uh, <clears throat> allow the state to be able to reject uh, some federal rules and uh, and again i i think there'll be a, a healthy debate healthy debate about that but i think other states are looking at as well but it'll come down to a a, you know, the fundamental decision and philosophy about states' rights versus the federal government. And here in North Dakota, we understand that the states created the federal government, not the other way around. And we think that there's uh, states that have should have the opportunity to regulate their industries. And, you know, no one's going to care more about the clean air and clean water in our state than the people that live here. And, and so uh, we'll continue always to be fighting for states' rights relative to uh, federal rules, because uh, most of the federal, you know, one size fits all rules uh, just don't work, including, you know, one of the executive orders was a ban on on uh, issuing additional permits on federal land. And, and of course, uh, you know, I'm sure there may be some people that think uh, something like that is, uh, you know, going to be saving a swath of, you know, pristine, uh, untouched Arctic land where nobody you know sets foot but the fact in north dakota the federal land is scattered and in a traditional two-section spacing unit so you might have 1280 acres in a spacing unit in north dakota if you had 10 acres of federal land in there they could potentially block additional development on that and uh you know we think we know for north dakota that that represents uh tens of thousands of jobs and hundreds of millions of dollars of of tax revenue and that tax revenue of course goes to pay for roads and schools and hospitals and all the things that uh, that we all essential infrastructure that we need in our state so you know we're going to make sure that we're fighting hard against uh, federal overreach in cases like this where it has an impact on private mineral owners private landowners uh, and you know, communities in the state. Well, and that'll be a really interesting uh, discussion to hear. I was actually wondering if there might be anything coming about. So just to make sure, just to uh, clarify, make sure I, ha- I have this right, essentially what, what you're waiting to, to see, what the co- conversation that's waiting to come is not specifically about the executive orders, but uh, federal overreach in general and the sovereignty of the state itself, yeah? Well, both of those things. I mean, I think the general category is uh, the federal overreach, but specifically, we're going to be examining each of the each of the federal uh, 
the executive orders from the Biden administration and trying to assess the impact of each of them so we can be, uh, you know, articulate and precise and help educate the administration about the uh, perhaps the uh, unintended effects of of some of these some of these orders, because if, they, if they're all couched under the idea that that somehow uh, shutting down the American energy industry is going to help emissions, that's uh, also a policy that doesn't work because nobody produces energy cleaner and more efficiently than than the American energy industry. And so if we you know, are shutting down, whether it's, uh, you know, baseload electric production or oil and gas in our country, you know, we're, we're just pushing. Uh, it's not going to reduce the demand for for uh, energy in our country. It just pushes those sources offshore to to uh, <clears throat> foreign sources uh, who wouldn't be producing that energy as cleanly as we are. And, you know, we've been fighting really since World War II as a country to achieve energy independence and energy security. And we finally achieved that uh, under the previous White House administration. And when we uh, uh, achieved that under President Trump and we finally were in a position for the first time in my lifetime where we could sell energy to our friends and allies versus buy it from our enemies, uh, which, you know, again, creates incredible energy security and uh, geopolitical security for our country and saves the lives of soldiers that we've been sending to the Middle East for the last 30 or 40 years. We finally get to that point, And then in the first weeks of the Biden administration, we reverse that course and start uh, putting out <clears throat> executive orders. Uh, things that haven't even been vetted through, you know, Congress or having hearings, just executive orders to start, you know, shutting down uh, our energy industry here. And, and again, this is uh, not only bad for the economy and bad for for the U.S. in terms of our own uh, national security. It's also bad for emissions because pushing those energy production to foreign sources and then having to ship that energy to the United States is a uh, bad bad for global admissions so i don't see any element of this that makes sense uh on any agenda uh if you actually look at the facts right um well and and a lot a lot of it really has changed and come to a standstill too the the keystone xl pipeline that's still at a standstill am i correct well yes this is another thing which i think should be uh you know, chilling to all Americans in every industry, not just uh, not just the energy industry, but the attack against uh, legally permitted infrastructure uh, is uh, going to ha- make it very difficult to raise capital. I mean, imagine if you're, you know, you're on uh, Wall Street and you're raising bonds to build uh, infrastructure, or you're a company and you're trying to sell stock uh, to investors uh, because you've got a plan on how you're going to build out essential infrastructure. And then in your risk disclosures, you have to say, well, these are the risks that we know that we face. Uh, we've, ac- we've overcome all of those where we've got a project, uh, you know, say like the Dakota Access Pipeline that's up and running uh, and operating safely and among the, uh, the, you know, the most technologically advanced pipelines in the country. And then you have the opportunity to face, uh, uh, you know, action from an administration that could shut it down after it's actually up and running. I mean, I don't know how how we, you know, aggregate and put capital together for future infrastructure projects of any kind. You know, and maybe today it's a pipeline, but tomorrow maybe somebody decides they don't want a road or a railroad or an airport, uh, and then they're they, they end up blocking it after the thing is actually up and running. And so so. Uh, whether it's Keystone or Dakota Access, I think again, uh, the the uh, ideological interference with legally permitted 
uh, infrastructure projects is again a that's a scary for the future of our uh, for our country well beyond you know well beyond even just the energy industry. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure there are many, many people that would, of course, agree with that. Um, I know that you'd mentioned it towards the beginning, too, with the recent weather and climate changes. Do you think that that's kind of highlighted any of the reasons for needing to keep our energy industry strong? Why we might need to look into, you know, re-look into the reopening of the Keystone XL pipeline. Uh, Maybe have other states look into what you've been doing to make sure that the Dakota Access Pipeline stays open. I'm sure there's many people happy, thankful for that. Do you think that there might be changes based on what has been going on this last week? Well, I I certainly think that what's happened in the last week and what's happening yet today is a wake-up call for our country. If you are going to have, you know, political interference in in markets, uh, like we've seen uh, with the subsidies that have been given to uh, intermittent uh, energy sources, uh, versus the and then the uh, attack and the additional costs and regulations put on on what is would be considered the base load. What we need for times like this, uh, the, the base load electrical power that is that's you know sustainable and dispatchable and predictable in all weather conditions. Uh, you know, we've really got a set of policies, which has set us up, I mean, as the wealthiest, uh, strongest economy in the world. And then we've got an electrical grid that has got instability uh, due to weather because of uh, ideological policy. And it, again, it just doesn't make sense when we're spending tens of billions of dollars to subsidize intermittent uh, energy and then the federal government is putting almost zero dollars uh, into the research that would help solve uh, the carbon issues. And we have there, you know, we believe in North Dakota in innovation, not regulation. And if you're trying to regulate industries uh, like the baseload power industry, if you're trying to regulate that out of business, uh, again, uh, thinking that you're going to do that to save emissions, what you're actually doing is, you know, again, putting at risk uh, Americans uh, during times like this. And then we're also not solving an emissions problem because, uh, you know, we've got China and India have uh, between them close to a billion people that don't have electricity. They're going to continue to build uh, plants with older technology there. They're going to generate more emissions there than what we're shutting down in the U.S. And so we've actually gained nothing on the emissions front where if we were investing in the R&D and we're very close with carbon sequestration, the ability to take carbon right now is, I mean, I think, uh, you know, every school kid thinks that carbon is the devil element on the periodic table when carbon is a key component of life. We know that carbon can be used in advanced advanced material science. Uh, We know that carbon, uh, if a pure stream of it's pumped into a greenhouse, that plants can grow 30% or more faster. And so if we want to, feed the world and solve the carbon problem. What we really need is innovation. And in North Dakota, we're investing in private and private public partnerships around these ideas around, around uh, carbon into greenhouses. We're investing in one of the largest carbon sequestration projects in the country. Uh, there's another one announced yesterday related to that. And so there is a, a lot of opportunity for us to solve emissions problems through innovation uh, regulation actually doesn't solve the problem. It just raises, will raise the cost of electricity for American. That'll force for Americans. That'll force manufacturing jobs back overseas again. Uh, and it's like a hidden tax on on every American. And then we also end up with you know grid instability 
that we have right now. And so again, there's, there's a path forward uh, to a future, uh, but it's going to involve innovation, not regulation. How very exciting. That, that's some really interesting things to think of for uses for carbon. I know last week when I had the opportunity to speak with Governor Mark Gordon, he also mentioned, uh, you know, needing to be more innovative along the lines of, of, of what to do with the carbon capturing and, and utilizing the carbon that has been captured. I found that to be absolutely fascinating. So it kind of sounds like that's the direction that North Dakota is going to be taking it to kind of utilizing the, the technology that's already in place to make things more streamlined is that kind of what i'm hearing well absolutely and 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 uh, uh mark gordon's doing a great job in wyoming so always shout out to uh mark but i want to say here with our energy and environmental research center at the university of north dakota and the private public partnerships we're doing uh through one project called project tundra we've actually got the largest scale carbon sequestration program uh, in the country, we've already got uh, pipelines where we're, you know, we're exporting carbon uh, from North Dakota up to Canada that they use in enhanced oil recovery up there in Alberta and their oil fields. And so we're we're well on our well on our way. But again, uh, you know, the federal government's uh, sitting on the sidelines right now on this. And like I said, they're spending tens of billions of dollars providing tax breaks for intermittent power sources, which are. Uh, you know, part of the issue we have with this grid instability and they're spending almost nothing uh, supporting the uh, innovation around around how do we actually, you know, uh, come up with solutions for, uh, you know, a carbon constrained future and how do we turn carbon into a value added input uh, versus this uh, the disparagement that is being getting right now. So, okay, so where do you, how do you think uh, would be best then to move forward? Do you think that it's going to take more legal action to bring the federal government on board with the new innovations rather than fighting the energy industry? Or do you think it's going to be more of needing to educate the public further on what is actually happening in the energy industry? Because there's a lot of people that don't even realize how effective uh, the United States in general is at capturing carbon. Well, I think it's uh, all of the above, Jenica. I think we have to continue to, you know, the industry and uh, government and different associations, everybody's got to continue to educate people so we've got a broader understanding. But we also, again, have to, uh, at the, the state level and working with our congressional delegation, we got to continue to push back on on federal policy, which is not really you know, driven really more by ideology than it's driven by, uh, you know, the practical solutions we need to move forward in the decades ahead. And so I think it's going to be uh, take both of those things, both education and and firm uh, political action. Yeah, it definitely doesn't sound like a terribly easy, easy road ahead. Lots of lots of things that could potentially go one way or another. Um, out of curiosity, I know that I'd seen that there were what 13 or 14 different states now that were looking at banding together against the implementation of these executive orders that have been so detrimental already to the energy industry. Do you see any options or uh, a chance of any kind of a class action suit against President Biden at this time? Or do you think that's kind of just not not really on the table yet what how, how what is the temperature do you think well i, I think that uh, because the impacts are so severe uh, both on 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 states and on jobs and on the private sector and on communities uh, that uh, you are going to see action i know that uh, the uh, attorney generals uh, from multiple states are in conversation with each other 
uh, you know, exploring different avenues. I know that certainly the governors, I've talked to at least a dozen uh, other uh, governors myself in the last uh, few weeks that have uh, also been, uh, you know, dealing with these situations and are willing to uh, work together and to uh, collaborate to try to figure out a way to uh, navigate and push back where we can, and and so again, I, I think uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll continue to see the uh, uh, <clears throat> some some progress. I think uh, from the standpoint of the states, really uh, uh, getting aligned under these new threats, which are endangering American uh, energy security, and they're endangering the jobs in our states, and they're they're also uh, impacting. Uh, all of the, you know, again, the hardworking Americans that, that, uh, you know, have to get in their car and commute every day. So we got a lot of, a lot of positive things we can keep fighting for. And I'm confident that uh, we're going to represent our states well in this battle. Sounds like this is going to remain a very big and important issue, something that everyone should probably be keeping an eye on. I do not envy your position, but um, I'm I'm glad that there's some good leadership. It's wonderful to see good leadership, and it's wonderful to see, uh, you know, leadership from the different states banding together. Is there anything that you would like to add that you think would be important or pertinent that people should hear about or know? No, I think uh, I think we've covered it all, Jenica. And again, uh, thank you for thanks for having us. Uh, on the podcast and and I hope you and your family are all uh, all well. Oh, absolutely. And same to you. Thank you so much, Governor Burgum. I really appreciate the time you spent. Have a great rest of your day. Okay, you too. Good luck. Take care, Jenica. Thank you. Bye. All right, friends and listeners, that was Governor Doug Burgum from North Dakota talking about federal overreach, fighting back against executive orders, uh, positivity looking forward, and in general, just keeping that energy industry strong. Going to need to continue looking to see for new developments and updates, but if you liked what you heard, make sure to go and check out the rest of what the crude life has to offer. Exclusive interview industry news environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River with Jason Speece. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomena. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us and especially you, Jason. Without, without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. 
so I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can speak for my 20 companies. They take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. Talking to Jason Spies, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. We all like living the crude life, so... <laughs> The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Colorado State Senator Ray Scott. This is Colorado State Senator Ray Scott. Even though President Trump was doing a great job of getting, making us energy independent, you know, we still had problems within certain states, and Colorado was one of those states. And yes, I believe in sovereignty of the states and the Tenth Amendment and all those things. But the overreach in our case on federal lands was still in place for the almost the entire four years of President Trump's term. And we tried different things to try to get that pressure off of our federal lands so that we could do more energy production. Uh, but as you know, there's kind of a glut of natural gas worldwide, and there were some other issues with the cost of doing that. But the overreaching problem we have now is now we have a president that is very, very clear that he is anti-fossil fuel. You know, he didn't, you know, he obviously wouldn't say that during the uh, the campaign, but right at the end, he finally let it slip that, you know, he was going to eliminate fossil fuel. So that's the path we're on. And then to have somebody like John Kerry, who, you know, obviously is a political hack, we know that. Yes, he will have impacts on all types of, of, of production and energy and all the things that we, we're, we're worried about. But I think you also know this, too, and I'm sure Senator Kramer would agree that it's not so much sometimes the president that's that's running the show. It's all the different agencies that he puts puts his people into. So people in the EPA, people in natural resources, those folks will be the ones that, that you know help keep the president's fingers clean. And they will go out and they will institute some very erroneous uh, restrictions on what we can and we can't do nationwide. And we've seen that here in Colorado. Governor Polis has been very crafty at how he's done this, but he's from the Obama administration. Basically, that's when he served in Congress. And he learned very well that you have your agencies do the dirty work and then you can stand back and say, well, my fingerprints are on it. And I, and I think that's where we're at now. Unfortunately, to your point about the governor's filing lawsuits, that's exactly what's going to have to take place. To listen to the full-length interview with Colorado State Senator Ray Scott or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, be sure to join our ever-growing army of energy enthusiasts by joining our social media pages. Click on the social media tab for our YouTubes, our LinkedIn's, our Tweeters, Twitters, you name it. We have it right there at thecrudelife.com. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... It takes an industry to build a forest.
Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com.